Robin in. Let's see if that works. Hello. Hello. Oh, hey, this is working. <laughs> How's it going, Robin? <laughs> it's going pretty good. Uh, it was a great show today, of course, as always. I'll invite you to speak. <laughs> there <Okay>. we go. <laughs> oh, let's get Notori in the party. <laughs> Feel free to unmute, unmute Notori. All right, so we're so we're uh, hoping that uh, Sabby can uh, can get the app working on her on her um, on her setup. Now, uh, Robin and Notori, are you doing this on the computer or on your phone? I'm on my phone. All right, so it's possible for the app to work. So what do you all want to talk about? Robber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you ready to uh you ready to be a dem uh, a Kennedy Democrat, Notori? Hell no. <laughs> what I saw tonight on the show, which I didn't know that happened, but what I saw already confirmed that I'm I won't vote for a Democrat anyway, but it's just embarrassing. He didn't have a brain of his own. I was giving him a little credit because he was like fighting the um Democrats, but it seemed like he's nothing but a regular Democrat. It's like he didn't show his hand just like Mariana Anna did. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think he's just going, he's there to get them chicks. It was just embarrassing. Oop, I think we lost Notori. Let's see. I brought Ashura in. So either I, hey, Ashura, can you uh, unmute? We lost, oh, there's Notori. All right, Notori, we'll bring Ashura in. I'm going to bring, uh, I'll invite Notori to speak. So we'll get her up and around here too. What do you got, Ashura? What's on the news? <laughs> RFK being a fucking Democrat as usual? Yeah, I I I, I, I saw Monarch was uh, he's he was calling the RFK fans in the chat. It's like, where the fuck are you guys now? <laughs> Defend this shit. Oh, the RFK stands. And just by the way, if anyone's just joining us, uh, Sabrina's having some uh, technical issues with the app, and uh, and she'll get in here when she gets that going. Yeah, yeah. quite a show by RFK there. Did you see it? Uh, sure. Yeah. Well. It's it's not well. Subrin is like the latest person, but I I was watching that since what due dissonance on what was it Thursday when they when they popped up this week, they showed that video. It was like that Robert Schmooley guy. Is like he was he was doing he was pulling on some Trump energy. It looked like that dude that looks like he he was dead inside in the Trump administration. He was Jewish too, but he was hanging around with Nazis. Uh, Stephen Miller, I think his name was. Yeah, he reminded me of that guy. And RFK is just sitting there, and that guy's being his mouthpiece. Anytime he wants to answer something, he gets up. He basically shouts people down. He answers for RFK. I'm like, they're not directing the question at you, motherfucker. Why are you answering? Yeah, he was definitely um, uh, directing the conversation. Oh, is it Sabrina? Okay, so I had to uninstall it and reinstall it. Hello? You're, we only hear you a little bit, Sabrina. Can Hold on. Like, we're only getting bits and pieces. It's weird. Maybe ask um, her to be on her phone. Can you hear me now? 
Hello? No, we're not we're not hearing you. We we're only getting these little No, people are saying in the chat they can hear me just well, fine. Other people here? Yeah. I can hear, but it's all scrambled shit. That could have been my keys. Maybe maybe you go on her Wi Fi if it's not her home phone that's fucking up. Um people in the <laughs> chat are saying it sounds well, somebody fine. Somebody says they can hear Sabby. I'm gonna try re- Okay. She's just breaking up for me. Coming for you there. <laughs> but go ahead, Asher. Uh, I, I didn't was mean to interrupt. Drowning you. In, in all that tech. You can go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. So maybe some people are hearing her and some weren't. This is all her. Well, I heard her, but it was, she was she was breaking up. Well, so Asher, are you are in the browser or are you on the phone? I'm on my phone. Oh, this is very weird. Because some people, some people said they were hearing Sabby, but well, we you all and heard I her. weren't. Was, no, right, we but some people, heard. some people were saying she was coming in just fine. No, uh, <laughs> she was breaking up for me. So, um, oh, so, so Robin, did you want to chime in on anything? If you want, and um, or maybe Robin's not ready, or maybe it's the um, oh. the uh, the Colin Gremlins are hitting. Oh, there you go. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I um, caught you on the spot. No, I know I was. Uh, I think I was typing something, and so then I got all confused in the in the. Afternoon. No worries. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this this. Oh, now I think we we uh, we lost Robin. Are you still here, Ashura? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, this is really weird. Well, t- and, anyways, I, I'm yeah, so talk glad. about something. I'm <laughs> so glad that people finally see AOC for what the fuck she is—a fucking fraud—and <laughs> I'm pretty sure she's gonna have her stance still defending her. But everybody sees her mask now. It's all fallen. Like the TYTs, the Kalkalinski. I mean, Kalkalinski was. Saying that Justice Democrat is still great, but he, he was on the vanguard. He still defends uh, Justice Democrats, even though he calls about their failure. But the one thing I noticed he never fucking mentions when he brings up Justice Democrats is because I think the other guy who he made it with or somebody in the organization was taking money, millions of money from donors. So the organization went to, went all corrupt. Yeah, I mean... It was, um, I mean, it sounded good at the start and, and you had Kyle and Jenks starting it up and there, it was all about, you know, like, like Sabrina often brings up their, their website and all their, all their, um, I don't know, all their big plans and how they were going to do things. And then, and then she contrasts it with what the squad's really doing and, it, and it's a joke, but it's. Yeah, I mean it's all it's all a money game, you know. I, I think if you bring it back to the money, it all becomes clear. Yeah, because I was watching. I'm gonna have to rewatch it. Uh, the Summer Swan and um, what's her name, Jill Stein, came on the RBN yeah. today. Yeah, she said that. Yeah. Uh, I know this discussion has been said before multiple times. Why hasn't DSA or or uh, what do they call it, Justice Democrats, kicked them out yet? Why hasn't Justice Democrats kicked who out yet? AOC, the squad, for not doing shit. Oh. 
because well, I mean, that's their that's their anywhere. bread and butter. <laughs> Sabby coming in hot. <laughs> Can you hear me great now, Eric? Yeah, we got you. I think you're good. Because that's their that's their bread and butter. If DSA were to remove AOC or names like Bernie Sanders away from their organization, that would actually hurt their membership even more. They've already lost over 10,000 people this past year alone. So if they were to remove them, that would hurt them even more because DSA's membership grew dramatically after Bernie Sanders started to run that first campaign. So that's the thing. If you take away AOC from Justice Democrats' website, they don't have anything. They have no brand. I mean, was AOC the focus of the Justice Democrats? Was she the, supposed to be the rising star? Yes. Oh, yeah. What about the- yes, because when I spoke to Zineb, and I talked to Zineb about this a couple of times, when Zineb was working for Justice Democrats, she was the communications director at that point in time. And she was the one that had to write the bios for all the candidates. And what Zineb said was out of all the people who were running, it was AOC was the one that she felt shady about. Like she, she really did not, could not trust her for whatever reason. And she said that AOC told her to put down bartender because it sounded better, even though she was doing other things. Like I said, she owned a startup. So, The thing is, is that um, people who had worked with Justice Democrats, Zineb has been very vocal about the plan. And she said that the focus was mainly on AOC because she was the one that was most likely to actually win because her district was majority, uh, you know, Latino and because, um, because of of her background, they said out of all the people that were running, were running, she's the one that has the best chance to win. And so that's why most of the focus went on AOC and not the other people were running. Check this out. How many of you guys know, like Johnny uh, Axlam? Johnny Axlam was a, ran for office. Justice Democrats didn't promote him like that. They didn't even promote Paula Jean Swearingen the way that they promoted. Uh, AOC, you know, like she was the one that was the star because like they said, she was the one that had the best chance of winning because of the district that she was in. So that's who they chose to primarily focus on. Even if you watch that documentary, Knocking Down the House, yeah, they focused on four different people, but primarily the main focus was on AOC. Because remember in Knocking Down the House, Cori Bush was in that documentary, but remember Cori Bush didn't win the first time. You guys remember that? She lost the first time she ran. She won the second time. And so this is all, it was all just a. And if you're having trouble hearing Sabby, try closing and reopening the app. Um, and if you're having trouble hearing me, then you're probably not hearing what I'm saying. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, the, the other thing with, uh, with, with Justice I mean, I think the deal with Justice Democrats is that um, whatever they started out as, um, which may have had some good things there, maybe some um, and some good policies and some good plans, they they became and they're totally now just a, a, a DNC Democratic Party operation. And 
and they're they're all about boosting the party and they're all just part of um of the democratic party you know operation and um and all that stuff they said about promoting third party runs and and all things like that it's um uh, it's all gone now i mean you know at this point it's all about they're just an arm of the democratic party they're just fundraising and it's all just more of the same right i'm just going to test my sound really quick i just want to see how i sound when you sound good to me now test test we get Robin back in here. Testing my sound. I sound okay? Yeah. No, you sound okay. really good now. Okay. Um, but the thing that I was going to mention was that, you know, that that was a big part of the problem was the fact that they had a brand and she ended up becoming the brand of Justice Democrats, just like she kind of, her and Bernie became the brand of DSA. But, uh, uh, you know, Johnny Axlam, he ran also. They didn't choose to focus on him. And then also, do you guys remember Anthony Clark? Anthony Clark, he's the guy he ran. He's uh, in Chicago area. He was a, a, a teacher and he ran for office. He was actually the first one to actually smoke weed on his ad campaign. A lot of people point to that guy down in Louisiana and said, this is the first guy to smoke weed on his ad campaign. No, he wasn't. Anthony Clark was actually the first one that did that. But they didn't focus on him either, not in reference to promotion. And also, if you look at left independent media, they didn't focus on those candidates either. They primarily heavily focused on AOC. Paula Jean Swearingen, there was some focus there, but I felt like she was also overlooked a lot. Like every time I watched Secular Talk, I mainly heard him talking about AOC. Mainly it was about her. And then you got to remember where she she coming from, too, because she was from the area, the neighborhood where she grew up in outside of New York City. That was far from from where I guess uh, Westchester County, where Kyle was. So you see how this worked like they they had already picked their star. And I think this really like in some ways, I felt like it inflated her ego. And that's why she feel like now you can't really look, you can't confront her. You can't disagree with her. Like she's nasty, even to her supporters, even to the people who donated money to her canvas her. you know, if it wasn't for the on the ground effort, she wouldn't have gotten there. Like, let's be real. If she's nasty to those people now, they inflated her ego. And this is what we got. Oh, go ahead, Noel. I think you were unmuting. Can you hear me? Hey, we got you. Yeah, we can Ooh, hear hey, you. Hey, everybody. Listen, <laughs> I just wanted to make a point um, to, to tag along to what Sabi was saying. You know, there are some fundamentals in American politics that don't change, and that is the vast majority of the electorate that votes is not following politics very precisely, and they're getting most of their cues and news from the networked media and traditional sources. So to the point about AOC, once she's getting got in, she has name recognition. And so the people who follow her closely enough to be disappointed in her and to see her chicanery, 
they're likely to be really more politically active and savvy than just the masses of people who she relied upon to get her in there. So she's comfortable now, you know, doing the minimum or doing, you know, following the party lines and all of this, because she knows that 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 segment that is aware and could hold her feet to the fire is just a very narrow sliver of people who are very active. The other thing I would say is, you know, in terms of RFK Jr. and AOC and all these other people, we knew early on that there is very little room in the Democratic Party to do anything but follow the party line. And so either you're going to you know, serve this master or the other. And everyone who wants, as AOC says, to maintain relational, you know, goodwill and all of this stuff, they're going to have to do, and they're going to do what they're doing. So we said early on that um, RFK Jr. running inside the Democratic Party was problematic for these reasons. And now they're starting to bear fruit. You know, you're going to have to toe the line on Israel. I don't think he had to go to the extreme that he is and just pretending not to see what we all see. But if you're going to move in that Democratic Party, you're going to have to cross that Rubicon. And they're not going to leave you much space on it. And for him to have sat up on that stage like a field mouse, while that um, Rabbi Shmuley or whatever his name is just went on and on and on, that tells me you are not willing to exert the leadership to confront and speak the truth to certain powers. And so to me, it was all so transparent. And it really, you know, to me, reminded me of the Maya Angelou saying, when people show you who they are, just believe them, you know. And so what I'm seeing from him now is not a surprise to me. And, you know, it is what it is. No, some people got mad at me when I started saying, like, look, guys, RK Jr. has a really bad take when it comes to Israel and Palestine. And some people tried to argue me down and tell me that's just one issue. Look at the other issues. Yeah, but you see how bad he is on this one issue? And how come people don't talk about how this one issue affects so many other issues? How are you going to say that you're anti-war and you don't want a nuclear war, but you saw the answer that he gave in reference to Israel having nukes? That's what I'm saying. This guy's been exposed, guys. The election hasn't even happened yet. That hasn't even happened yet. And he's already showing you exactly who he is. If he can't speak for himself, whether he knows the answer or not, I'm supposed to believe seriously that he's going to try to reform the CIA. I'm supposed to believe that he's going to stand up to what is, what is this, this camp? What is this really about? What is this about? If it's true that he's aligning himself with people like Steve Bannon, what the hell is this? And why is Dennis Kucinich in the mix of all of this? A hot mess. Go ahead, Ashura. I see you're unmuted. Talk about it. Uh, sure, I think you're breaking up.
just for a millionaire. It doesn't matter. Ashura, we can't. Uh, Ashura, you're you're breaking up, Ashura. Yeah, I can't hear him either. Yeah, try um going out and coming back in. In the meantime, I'll go ahead and go to um I see Robin, and then we'll bring in Lysol. Hey, Sabby. Hey, Robin. Hey, hey. Uh, yeah. Stick a fork in RFK Jr. He is done in my book. Um, you know the fact that he had Rabbi Shmuley playing Captain Save a Kitty was just ridiculous. You know, how are you going to be almost 70 years old or however old he is? And this you have this man speaking for you. I mean, it, it reminded me a lot of, do you remember when Kamala Harris was on with Charlemagne the God? And he started asking her some tough questions like, well, who's really the president? And then yeah. all of a sudden, uh, what's her name? Simone Sanders started pretending like, you know, she couldn't hear and all of that other kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it reminded me of that. and then it also reminded me of I don't remember I don't know if you remember a couple of uh I think it was year uh last year when they had the Easter egg roll at the uh at the White House and the press started trying to ask Joe Biden questions and then all of a sudden the Easter bunny came running around and, <laughs> grabbed, and grabbed him and took him away. <laughs> yep. So so I guess it, I guess Rabbi Shmuley is acting as the Easter Bunny here. I mean, this is just ridiculous, you know. And my thing is, is that he has let these people who's called him an anti-Semite. Okay, I'm not. I know the man's not an anti-Semite, but you've let these people totally derail your campaign over this, you know, trying to just fall down at the feet of Israel and everything. You know, and like they were saying, what do, I mean, does he want to be prime minister of Israel? You, what is that about? You know, um, so for me, you know, although I like his takes on COVID in terms of, you know, uh, not having vaccine mandates, if people don't want the jab, they don't have to get the jab or whatever. Uh, I like his stance on uh, Ukraine, but I will have to say that because of this situation with Israel and with us all knowing that they have nukes and everything like that, I don't, I can't trust him to be anti-war if, if something went down with Israel. Exactly. That's a good point. Another thing too, I want to point out and I'll bring in Lysol. Um, when I covered his announcement on the ground in Boston, he didn't talk about Israel, Palestine at all. And that was a long ass speech. Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's unacceptable, you know, um, and then, I mean, when he, and then when the Congress too, when they went on talking about how much they, you know, were just, uh, unequivocally behind Israel, no matter what type, what they did and type of stuff, yep. I was like, no, nah, that's just a bridge too far. I don't care how much of a friend you are. There's, there's gotta be some lines drawn somewhere. And you'll if never... you're I was going to say, you'll never hear them say that about black people, though. Right. You know, yeah, it's just, it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not willing to go to bat and, and lay down, you know, my, my son's life or my daughter's life or whatever. You know, if you get caught up in some foolishness in the Middle East, no, you know, and we got to be, I mean, the same way that we have the purse strings with Ukraine and that we need to, uh, we need to uh, bring back a lot of that stuff and say, no. You need to cut some of this stuff out. We're not giving you any more money. We need to do the same thing with Israel. I don't have a problem with Israelis or anything like that. But if they're such a 
a booming democracy and they have all of this great stuff that's going on in their country, how come they can't pay for their own defense? Why is it that we are paying for their defense? And I have yet to hear anybody give me a good answer as to why we're paying for their defense. Same thing with NATO. You know, I'm sick of that too. Just, just get rid of all of that stuff. Everybody pay for your own defense. That's all I got to say about that. Well, the reason why always always comes back to the money. Right? I mean, NATO is basically an, an arms sales organization. You're right. We do. A, no, we sure. do. Ex, our number one export, sadly, is war. And that's a disgusting thing to have to say about my country, because I, I love the idea of America. But what we have now is is just a nasty, nasty iteration, you know, and we've basically, in my mind, turned into everything that we supposedly despised when this country was founded. And so, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, it, it makes me really, really sad. But but let's be. Or Israel, it, it's the money, right? All those arms sales make money for the people who fund the Congress. Yeah, that's but, disgusting. But let's be honest. Um, when we talk about what this country is and the ideal, this country was shaped in form through and by violence. And by, there has not been a period in this nation's history when violence domestically and in the foreign affairs has not been part and parcel to everything America is about. This is still a plantation nation. It is shaped and formed through the intersection of capitalism and white supremacy. And there is nothing you know, there is no narrative that you can spin around it that is durable enough to hide what this nation is really all about. And unfortunately, we are at that place in our nation's history where you can't even hide it. It's right in your face. And if you scratch the surface, there it is. It's always been a promoter of violence at every turn. Let's bring in Lysol. Lysol, you just have to unmute. Hey, Savvy, how's it going? Hey, how are you? Take on all of this. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I've, I've been saying it for a while now. I'm, I'm still pretty confident. I think RFK is running to the right of Biden. And I think we're just finding out, finding more out about that as this campaign goes along. Like he's running to close the Southern border. Like that. I, I can't think of another Democrat who has like run in my lifetime on closing the border. Like, they, you know, there's some sort of amnesty or lofty promises to dreamers and stuff. But nobody's like, yeah, yeah, what Trump said, we should do that. So that's that's kind of where I'm at. I'm like, it's, this guy is not a leftist. Like, what, what's his leftist take? Like, being anti-war on Ukraine? You know, there's people on the right that believe that shit, too. And why, why is he aligning himself with Steve Bant? Like, this is just really weird to me. Like, he's running through the Democratic Party, but he's aligned himself with people like Steve Bannon and Rabbi Shmuley, who was also aligned with Steve Bannon. You know, I honestly, for a while, I've been sitting here thinking, and I'm like, maybe RFK Jr. is trying to get those Trump voters that were reluctant Trump voters, the ones that voted for him just because, okay, he's the Republican nominee. He's not really my type of, you know, Republican candidate, but he's the Republican nominee, so I'm just going to vote for him. I feel like he's trying to get those people. But the problem is, is that, Depending on what state they live in, if they want to vote in the Democrat primary, they may have to change their registration to Democrat. 
So then I'm wondering, is RFK Jr. just trying to sheep herd people into the Democratic Party? Is that what this just is? Well, I so I think both RFK and um, and Ron DeSantis are planning on hitting Biden and Trump respectively on the vaccines and on the lockdowns. Ron DeSantis has been hitting hit, hitting Trump on that already, and you know there's you know there's a chance because Donald Trump is like he's he's starting to be like hey maybe the vax wasn't so great, but like there was that clip last year where his fans were booing him. He was like yeah you know whatever I'm constitutionally unable to ever admit I was wrong, so like what I did was great. Fuck you guys. I'd also like to point out that RFK has a book coming out in September, just like Marianne. What the hell? Like, come on. And not that he hasn't written books before, but I'm just saying, like, this is just, I, I can't take this seriously. Like, again, how can you say you're anti-war, but you're totally okay with what is happening in Israel right now? Like, what the? I mean, like, what the heck is Dennis Kucinich doing? Exactly. You know, you know who I need to talk to again? I need to interview Cynthia McKinney again. I need to bring her back on and ask her what she thinks about this foolishness. But what a because way to she, ruin ruin your legacy. Right, because she, she knew Dennis Kucinich. Dennis Kucinich will not come on my show, by the way. I've invited him on multiple times, and he knows exactly what I want to talk about. He's and always he, been a, a weird dude. I don't know what yeah, to make but of it's him. Just, it, it just it's just is weird. Like, why is he aligned? Dennis Kucinich's position on Israel and Palestine is the exact opposite of RFK Jr.'s. So why is he the campaign manager of someone who is an, a Zionist? And I thought Hakeem Jeffries and Richie Torres were pretty bad with their rhetoric in reference to the state of Israel. But RFK Jr. like has them beat. And the other thing Max pointed out in his long tweet was that um, RFK didn't used to have Expose these views. Now all of a sudden he's a huge Zionist. Well, Misty, Misty, Max said that, but Misty said he was always this way. But so as, I, as Robin said a while ago, Robin did say something I disagree with, but she said that he hear you, yay. He, he doesn't believe that he's uh, he's anti-Semite, but he is one because every time they mention the Palestinians. He keeps his mouth shut as if they're not Semites too. That's the big question. And maybe that's why he doesn't want to have this conversation with other people who are Jew. Cause think about it. Look, if he don't want to talk to me about that issue, totally get it. But why are you avoiding other Jewish people? Why are you avoiding people like Max, like Katie, like Aaron? Like, why are you avoiding those people? That rabbi was pretty cool. was very cool. Yeah, <laughs> rabbi in that group, like wow, awesome. Yeah, like like why why not talk to that guy that Roger, the rabbi that Roger interviewed, like yeah, out great on the job, street. Roger. Right, like why is he only talking to people with one you know one certain point of view? Now he says that he wants unity and he wants to bring people together, but he's not willing to talk to people who have a different view on Israel than him. You see if Lucy's got anything for us. Lucy? Yeah, Lucy, you just have to unmute whenever you're ready. Or if anyone else wants to jump in. Oh, hi, everybody. Um, yeah, so that was, like, a really crazy event. Um, that, honestly, I, I, the thing that I liked about it, though, like, um, we've never actually gotten that many videos out of any event, really. Um, 
and and then there was that spontaneous protest from the Haredi Jews outside, um, which I actually later found out um, they they are considered kind of uh, ultra conservative Orthodox uh, Jews, and they are uh, it's, it's like a group called the Naturi Karta, which um, like they don't believe at all in the state of Israel. They basically have like the most radical. Um, left position on uh, uh you know just not agreeing with the establishment of the state of israel at all and they're infamous for having tried to talk to ahmadinejad who who's notorious for actually making all of these anti-semitic statements and their logic is like well we have to talk to these people because if they only if they see every Jew as a Zionist, then it's going to increase anti-Semitism in the Middle East. But he kind of explains that, you know what I mean, in the video. Um, and their whole thing is kind of talk to everybody, which um, they're smeared for all the time. However, um, when Rabbi Shmuley talks to Louis Farrakhan, who has also said horrible things about Jewish people, it's fine. So, you know, do you yeah. see what I'm saying here? So it's like fine when Rabbi Shmuley talks to Louis Farrakhan or Steve Bannon. But when um, the anti-Zionist Jews talk to Ahmadinejad or somebody else that says horrible things about Jews, it's, you know, it's not acceptable. So they play that game a lot. Um, so it seems like to me that Rabbi Shmuley seems to be basically okay with people who are about, who are about, uh, empowering their own race of people. That's what it seems like to me. If he's aligned himself with Steve Bannon and he's aligned himself with Louis Farrakhan, it seems like to me that he's a separationist. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, so, and then, um, so that's really interesting. Like, you can look it up, the whole thing about the Natura Carta. The other thing that's kind of, um, that, you know, some, a lot of Orthodox Jews don't like Natura Carta because they believe that Israel, like, the Holy Land will be returned to them after the Messiah comes back or something like this. Um, I don't really know the details, but it's like a, you know, religion, religious thing. You know, you believe in that the Holy Land will come back to you. I don't know. <laughs> I, I really don't know enough about this, but they're considered um, kind of ultra conservative. Um, uh, but they're also kind of smeared for the same behavior that, uh, you know, somebody like Rabbi Shmuley, who isn't even like Rabbi Shmuley. Uh, as you can see in the video and he's not really respected by the Jewish community. He's kind of thought of as kind of the celebrity clown rabbi. Um, so, uh, you know, it's kind of funny that RFK is like choosing him specifically, um, under, you know, his whole banner. And he's kind of counting on the ignorance of, of people that don't know who Rabbi Shmuley is or don't know any Jews or whatever to, I don't know, to kind of hide behind him basically. And, um, and, and 
it's crazy you know and israel really does encompass a lot of issues and that's why i like i was it was so great to see richie and janet ask so many different questions because it's really something that it's it's related to so many things you know like uh, regional stability and um it's not just israel and palestine it's also you know every other country in that area is affected by it and even our Kazon family has been affected by these guys, like the Israeli intelligence. Um, uh, so, I, I mean, it would have been great to have somebody also ask about IDF and our police force, but we, you know, we didn't do that. But um, I, it was really, I like, I was really impressed with everybody that went and asked questions. Yeah, I was, I was proud of, you know, all of these guys and, and proud that you were able to actually get a question out. Uh, Lysol, anything else you want to add? Oh, um, I, I forget who I forget who it was, but somebody compared uh, compared the situation to Biden at, at Easter or something. And I don't know that specific anecdote, but I was getting the same vibes too. Like it felt like a handler was doing something. I was like trying to imagine like how long Donald Trump would literally let anybody else talk and talk for him while he had a microphone. And it's like he RFK just looked kind of just like out of his element and just kind of like I should just shut up. It's like that's not. I'm not not screaming leadership at me, but I mean, you know, in in a couple of weeks we'll get the FEC filings and we'll get to see where his money's coming from and if he's taking from small donors or if he's got a pack and stuff like that. Because um, if I remember correctly, I think Children's Health Defense in 2021, their entire budget was funded by nine donors and they got something like 16 million dollars. So he's you know he's been ta- he's been taking right wing Koch brothers dough for a while now. Wow. Oh, um, I wanted to say one more thing, sorry, before going back to Lysol. Um, There's this really crazy video on Twitter um, that Jose posted. It's called uh, Gen Z for Change. It's a fake intervention. Um, They're basically, uh, have you guys seen those uh, Generation Z uh clowns that are advertising for biden now yeah like gen z okay so they have noticed that you know the rouge movement uh you know bronx anti-war like all these people are doing interventions um and they they're doing their own fake interventions you can see this uh uh young girl um that she's like uh taken pictures with the squad, you know, and she's being groomed basically by um, the Democrats and they make her stand up um, uh, and pretend to interrupt the press secretary. Um, And then after she intervenes and asks a question about the Alaska drilling project, um, the press secretary is like, thank you for your courage. You guys got to see this video because I like, I'm kind of it's crazy they're they're it's kind of like uh you know when AOC got fake arrested um it's uh they're they're doing this whole thing around climate change and Generation Z being inspirational and they're taking the the whole strategy that people are using you know to to confront these politicians and they're doing like fake interventions how many days ago was that? It was, I saw it today. Um, I, I'm going to post the video because 
this is I, I feel like we're gonna see this a lot now that they they're uh, you know um, releasing this whole strategy. And, and this lady says, I just mustered up every ounce of courage to interrupt White House press secretary and urge the Biden administration to stop approving new coal projects. Um, the climate <laughs> crisis is here. And, and you can see her kind of like, uh, kind of like starting to get up, but she's eyeing the press secretary to see if she has permission to get up yet. And she's like uncreasing her skirt and stuff. And then she gets up and kind of, um, like tentatively asks a question and then the press secretary smiles at her and like nods her head like sh showing her that it's like time to speak now it is a crazy thing. i'm just looking at her so, now like like she's totally an op like this isn't an actress man she even looks like an act an actress yeah. <laughs> Paul's like the worst improv scene, scene partner you could have, though. So, like, I could, like, why, why would they do that to her? Somebody already has the trouble, like, keeping, keeping her sentences straight. And, uh, yeah, so Roger posted the link. <laughs> I'm not listening to the audio yet, but it looks pretty hilarious. Um, it's like, it's like sunrise movement stuff, you know, it's, it's just controlled opposition. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I may disappear for like a second because I'm gonna log off on the computer. But Eric, you're a moderator. Just give me like two seconds. Sure. Oh, back to the Eric Red Show. Um, Eric, I'm going to hop off because there's a bunch of people in the queue, but good talking to y'all. Right. Good talk, myself. And let's bring in okay. Natalie. All right, cool. I'm still here. Okay. I was just trying. Yes, you're, you still exist. <laughs> Natalie, what's up? Just got to unmute. Oh, finally, audio audio is back. Sorry, can you skip me? My kid just woke up. I'll be right back. <laughs> okay, no worries. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Let's bring in Nullified. Nullified. Can you hear me? Is that a kitty? Yeah, Hello. Hey, how you doing? What's going on? Uh, not much. Um, I was just going to say that um, the reason that... Uh, RFK is pro-war on Israel and then anti-war on uh, Ukraine is because it like it gloms on two di two different things like pro-Israel is like for this like state or whatever and the, the whole apparatus just so that he doesn't get crushed by them but then he also wants to get just like sitting there cheering for the end of the Ukraine and all that stuff and Ukraine war um on his side or are pro Ukrainians, I guess on his side. Um, but, um, it, it, you really can't trust like any of these people in the whole like establishment thing. I mean, I had this crazy experience where, um, uh, at the beginning of the lockdowns, um, it's almost a totally unbelievable story, but I was, I'm like this kind of like told, I'm just like some kid. I'm like a law abiding citizen. I'm not like a big criminal or anything, but, I um I got human trafficked into jail by a large group of people that were like they basically my neighborhood got placed under police surveillance um because of activism and then and then from there I was just basically tortured sleep deprived I got poisoned a bunch of times and um and they like at the end of I I was like suffering severe PTSD and um very out of it with you now mentally just out of it and um i got arrested oh and thrown in jail yeah and um so and um i know like 
like I know a lot of things. Like I know why, like the the FBI and um, they did that whole um, uh, what you, insurrection thing. Like I know why that happened. I know why there it's been increasing hate crimes against black people for like ever since like March of 2020, I believe. If you look at like the statistics and you look at just you can just look at the news stories and stuff. It's just like been increasing hate crimes against black people. Uh, and I know also why they like I know why then like I know why there was like a pandemic and then they uh, and then they um and basically they had like they had to like force a vaccine on people and then like the pandemic just kind of disappeared whether people took the vaccine or not the pandemic just kind of disappeared I know why that happened it's a crazy story but I'm not going to get into completely into it but just bottom line I'm just trying to get that across to people that you cannot trust these people up there in the up there they're 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 the way they got to control the narrative and stuff is just like mind-blowing once you once you look into things but i'll land my plane there oh uh yeah also uh shout out to noel i don't know is she yeah noel's still here yeah and shout out to her i just like listening to her talk to a lot so um yeah i'll land my plane there um but yeah holy crap man uh that's an interesting story yeah uh you know um here, I'll, I'll lay out a hypothetical scenario for you just so you can kind of get like what I'm talking about, sort of like as far as narrative is concerned, like basically just hypothetical scenario, right? Uh, an apartment gets placed under surveillance and then a person um, open carries a firearm in the surveillance and then like publicly everyone goes crazy and everyone's saying like, oh, he's going to do a mass shooting or, or something like that. And like, it's like, there's like, everyone's like, you know, distressed and looking at this one individual. Right. And so where does the narrative go from there? Like, you just, you wonder like, it's okay. So the guy's going to do a mass shooting or whatever, quote, quote unquote, allegedly. And then the, he's also under surveillance at the same time. <laughs> so where does the narrative go from there? You know, it just kind of like publicly in front of everyone. But yeah, um, it's a big story. <laughs> Holy crap. Well, thank you so much for yeah. like sharing that with us. Like I do, I really do feel like, you know, and sometimes I can't get into this kind of stuff on YouTube just because they're so like strict, but I really do. Yeah. Think there's this sense of control. I really feel like they're trying to control us. Yeah. They, it, it, you're, everyone's right with that feeling. That's why, that's why RFK is on the, um. he's also like, he's also kind of good on the vaccine kind of thing, but at the same time, it's kind of a, it's kind of like a staged kind of front in a way. Cause they're, cause they're all like letting him talk about it in those, like, I don't know what they are congressional hearings or whatever they're where he's going, getting up and talking about like how, uh, you know, it was wrong or whatever he, he there, he has like, he's trying to get the support of all the people on the right who like, maybe the kind of like the, um, like kind of like the truck convoy guys from Canada and that sort of thing. He's that crowd on his, the backing of that crowd for his campaign. In reality, it's just kind of like a, sh- a clown show up there. Cause I already know they're not going to, they're not really going to try and really truly get to the bottom of it. Cause that would blow their whole control. That like would blow their whole control like big time. So it's just, uh, it's, you know, it's all about controlling the narrative. And if it, if the narrative goes way out of their control, there's like this big paradigm shift and everything like is messed up for them. Uh, but yeah, uh, my name's Najee. Just, um, just letting you know, that's my name. But, um, you know, I, I'm like living a wildlife right now. <laughs> I don't, I don't even like, I don't feel like me or anything because it's just like, they like, 
I mean, imagine trying to get the police to invest or trying to get the FBI or anyone to investigate human trafficking. And like they're just across the border refusing and across the board, just like giving you this stonewalling you and stuff. It's just, you know, it's pretty insane. Wow. Anyone want to chime chime in here? Um, Those of you that are speakers. Uh, Go ahead, Natori. So, go ahead. I just want to say the pasta salad. One issue, my fat black ass. I do still like him, but it's like, uh uh-uh. It's shocking to me to see how... It's not shocking that Robert Jr. doing what he's doing, but to see people... It shouldn't be, but still, you see people in this space pushing for like third parties, multi-parties, and then to see somebody come on the scene like Mariana and Roberta, and then you just flip like a bitch. I'm just being straight to the point. It's weird to me just to see people flip again for a Democrat. Like, is y'all really, like, for the people that's like that, are y'all real about who y'all say y'all are? Or y'all just, like, did y'all get paid or something? Like, what the you know what what it is is what it is they're they they feel the loss of control of the whole apparatus and some of them are just scared so they want to just glom quickly on and just like be like oh we want it over with as soon as possible whatever you guys do just get it over with and back into control and then and then some of them probably are just like sheep herder kind of type people trying to herd people back into that but yeah i think the thing is too is like something that we all got to kind of keep in mind is that, uh, you know, there were a good amount of people that were able to grow and profit off of the Bernie Sanders campaigns. And don't forget the squad, like all of that. Like there, you know, there were channels that did really well uh, financially supporting and backing like those campaigns. Like when Jimmy came on, I asked him, I said the same thing to him. And he was like, yeah, he said when Bernie was running, he said like that really helped grow my channel and stuff like that, you know? And I think part of the problem is those channels now kind of find themselves at a loss. And this is why I've said before, guys, this is why if you ever start a show on YouTube, don't have your show centered around a politician because it's, it's really, it's great. It works out great if that person wins, but if that person loses, then you're kind of stuck with, okay, how can I continue to defend this person and defend this strategy? Or, you know, what do I do now? And that's why you see some people starting to shift towards, okay, well, Joe Biden's actually okay. Let's just go with him because they know, they see the writing on the wall. They know that these people, these progressives and stuff, that the Democratic Party is not going to let them have real power unless they totally flip on strategy and they flip on policy. So they see that. They're not going to tell you they see that. They're going to continue to let you think that this can still work while they can can continue to profit. Like, think about this. If there was no Marianne that was running in this race, I ain't going to say no names, but some of these channels may not have hit 1 million subscribers. Think about that. I'm saying the name. Kyle Kalinsky. (laughs) (laughs) there you go like once it was like okay we got our progressive candidate again it's not bernie sanders but we got somebody to take his place i mean once you had that then it was just kind of like 
okay, well, we're back in the game again. Only didn't work out that well this time because Marianne is not as popular or as likable as, as Bernie was. And ain't no way in hell she would be able to create a mass movement the way that Bernie Sanders did, right? So I think that's that's a big part of the problem. So it's like, you know, once this election is over, then it's gonna be like, okay, what are we gonna do now? That's why I told people last year, don't be surprised if some of these Bernie channels start to shift more towards like a David Pakman style channel where they defend the Democratic uh, Democrat establishment and praise Joe Biden and tell you that those people are actually doing great because the right. thing is, there's more money on that side. That's what people I understand. Just I just wish yeah, that people totally be more upfront with their audience because it's it's like we already know the crystals and the cows, but to see other people on Twitter that you thought that whole year pushing for third parties, multi party system, and then it's just it's like a funny place. It's making me think of Bernie Sanders again, but just to see them it's just weird like i don't hate them but i'm gonna read you to feel anybody that change up or do some funny shit because i know pasta salad start following me but just because you follow me don't mean i'm not like i'm gonna stop like bag up off you you say some dumb shit i'm gonna read you we still can have a conversation but i'm gonna read you the filth. but the <laughs> point i wanted to segue from what nullified was saying is you know, I continue to speak and use the phraseology of plantation nation. And I mean that at the highest levels and try and, you know, connect the dots between what Nullified has said and described to what I have been trying to frame as a plantation nation is, you know, you have to accept the fact that the wealth disparity in this nation has only increased. And what that means in terms of um, the class warfare is you have an increasing amount of people who are a smaller minority, but they are controlling the majority of this nation's resources. And when I say plantation nation, I am saying to you that that dynamic creates the context of a plantation. And these people have seized control of the government through their money. And so whether it be, you know, Democrats or Republicans, it really is a duopoly. And you're moving closer to fascism and authoritarianism daily, whether it be through Joe Biden and the Democrats or the Republicans, because these people who are basically running no, everything and Marvel and everything they are surveilling. They come back if they wanted. What? Marvel. They are. Only character I say come back. I don't know who and that is. Assure is that you? Assure us. Assure mute your knife. Hey, I, I shout out Noel. Uh, I'm gonna land my plane, but I, I agree with you a hundred. Um, let me just land so that someone else can get in the thing. But yeah, I agree a hundred with you. Um, it's just like and, all about controlling people. And to finish my point, um, and thank you, Nullified, for the shout out. But to my point, what I am suggesting is when we get 
down into the weeds of what the transactional things are happening in our lives. When you roll that up to the highest level, these people are, again, to Robin's point, we're promoting violence. We're moving towards Cop City, and that is not going to be restricted to Atlanta. We have seen through the Twitter file things that these people have been surveilling. They have been used, going through the government to censor. All of these are techniques to maintain control of the perception of the masses. You cannot support this country making resources available in the billions for a proxy war in Ukraine, which we all know is about resources and expanding America's grip and control. It is about threatening Russia and having control over the Black Sea and all of the resources that Ukraine produces. It is about, you know, fueling a a unipolar world in a multipolar reality. And, and these things, so they do those things internationally, but internally, domestically, they're just pushing the polarity buttons to keep control. They must keep, you know, the rank and file Democrats and Republicans at each other's throat. They must vilify any type of third party, you know, anything that would threaten to disrupt the duopoly. And they're using violence in one form or another to promote it. And so, you know, that's why I say whether Marianne or RFK ran in the Democratic Party, that was a big no, because we have seen that you cannot change these machines from the inside. No one person can do it. And so it really is. I mean, it really is. A plantation and they are really using everything to control us and once things now look at all the information that's coming out about dr fauci and without going into detail about that we know that there were many half truths and untruths told to us but again it fed the narrative and if rfk comes to offer some type of challenge which they vilify him at word go you i mean he has been called so many names on that level alone, and they don't really process what really happened. We never had a robust debate from the medical community because Dr. Fauci and his crew was busy shutting down, I mean, you know, esteemed professionals and virologists and immunologists and people who had experience and professors, but he was shutting them down like day and night. And it, and so it's just a big strategy. And I don't want to over push this because I don't want it to make it seem like it's conspiratorial, but it is real. We are moving toward a fascist state. And it's just a matter of which one of those two will have the lead. And it happens under every, it's happened under a Republican president and a Democrat president. That's the thing. And it's true, they want complete authoritarian control over all of us. And, and that's what we're moving towards. So when people like just shrug off the Twitter files, it's no big deal. No, that is a big deal. And more people need to pay attention to the fact that they, they have been like censoring people. Like, look, what, look what happened. I told you, we can't even talk about COVID on YouTube. That's why I don't talk about it on YouTube. And so when Pasta was saying, you guys have impressed Cornel West about COVID, you know, knowing the fact that we had just gotten a strike, two strikes actually, 
over COVID, why would you press us to talk about that? You You know what I'm saying? Like, we know we can't discuss it now. So the thing is, is like, why, why even bring that up? You know, it's just like, to me, it's just when they talk about the issues that are most important to people and things like that, the number one issue is the economy, regardless of who's in office. And if the economy is not doing well, you know, people are going to have some things to say. Go ahead, Ashur. Yeah, um, I was going to ask you to re, 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 uh, bring up the pasta thing because uh, you were you were breaking up. I couldn't hear you properly. I don't know what was wrong with your audio. And uh, I, w- I was saying uh, when you had that uh, discussion with him and he was, you was telling them about the billionaires and the millionaires that were hosting him the party, he shrugged it off about it was just small B's and small, 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 small B's and small M's as if like billionaires aren't corrupt, regardless what, how, how big, how big uh, in wealth they are. I'm sorry, but I, like most of you, like I watched independent media for quite some time uh, before I joined independent media, right? So I watched all these channels and why is it now that all of a sudden the same, some of this, not everybody, but some of the same people who told us the money is a problem. Why is it now all of a sudden some of those people are like, oh, it's no big deal. What is going on? Why are some of them now being like, okay, yeah, but yeah, he takes corporate money, but he's like really strong on the COVID issue. So now it's okay to look, to look over, to look past like corporate money. Now that's okay. Now it's okay to be aligned with billionaires and billionaire money. It's called being on principle, savvy. Somebody got paid. It got so, worse. And I, I, I love pasta, but I have to say this. Like, it was actually his show that taught me about in election integrity. It was his show that taught me about how some of these ballots weren't even being counted when he did the coverage, him and Fiorella did the coverage on the ground in Arizona and Georgia. It was actually his show that taught me that both of these parties, they just rig shit. It's all corrupt. Like you can't. So it's really weird to me. Like now all of a sudden you okay with, uh, you know, supporting someone running through the Democratic Party after everything that you found in 2020 in reference to election integrity, after everything that happened when they rigged it against Bernie Sanders, when they rigged it against Tulsi Gabbard to get her off the debate stage. What the hell is happening to people? It's like, it's like it I told is. you last time on stream. It's because it's because COVID broke them. COVID broke them one, and plus you got the shit lips broke them because when they tried to tell them the truth, the shit lips didn't want to have, listen. So they found themselves. There was a group of people that wanted to listen. There were some portions on the left and some portion on the right. That's why Pasca is so focused on telling. Well, Cornell West needs to basically appease to the white masses on, on the right winner's side. So he doesn't need to go see black people first. He has to go see the white people first. He needs to stop shitting on COVID. Can I uh, say something? On the vaccine. I want, yeah. just like what you just said, I want Pasta to go so hard like he go out the um West. Because if I, it's one thing, like just to throw this in there quick, it's one thing I don't like, which I know he's a Christian. And I do, it remind me when Bernie's called um, Joe Biden, his friend, I don't like when he call when you know somebody is trash like Joe Biden and call him brother and stuff. But I read um, West too for Phil. But the th- number one thing is, he's not a f- 
No, he's not like, I don't understand really what's happening to some of these people. Even like, it's really weird to me. I remember, and this is going back in the day, and they probably won't mention this, but I remember it was over two years ago when I interviewed Vanguard on my show. I had only like 2,000 subs at that point, okay? They were very much angry with the squad. This was after, uh, not too long after forced the vote, a little bit after those votes for, I think it was the vote for the Capitol Police, the Iron Dome, it might've been that one too. They were very angry, angry and vocal uh, about their disappointment with the squad and everything. Uh, and they were, and Gavin more so was very much, that, that interview is still on my channel. Gavin was very much like trying to push Green Party and saying like, well, this is why I voted third party, yada, yada. Now, it, it seemed like they even seemed to be okay with like a Joe Biden. What the hell is happening to everybody here? Realignment, Sabrina. Um, they didn't see, they thought Jimmy Dore was going to give them more subs. Once they crapped on him, he called them out timidly. Then they said, oh, fuck that shit. We're going with Kyle Kalinske. But see, the problem, too, that is one of the fundamental theor theoretical problems with independent media. Because, again, for some, it translates back to the money. So you can't separate how they um, speak and what they espouse in the political sphere without trying to disconnect it from what their financial and economic interests are. And if your economic interests are guiding what you're willing to say and promote in terms of your programming, then you are a bad faith actor and you are unreliable because people should not have to, you know, dig down into your money funding to understand whether you are being principled and ethical in terms of what you understand the political analysis to be. So we're, and, and I say all of that to say, these are very difficult and challenging times. But the one point I wanted to make is in terms of even suggesting that billionaires and millionaires don't count, let me assure you that the interests of corporate America and billionaire interests will consolidate and conflate much, much quicker than all of the issues of the masses who are the workers on the plantation. They're going to come together quicker than you know. And at the end of the day, they are for the same economic strategies. And we've, and in addition to that, we've now seen where the Supreme Court has been in alignment with the billionaire class in a way that they have been receiving gifts and gratuities. I mean, none of this, nobody's hands are clean. That's why I say when you look at it, the plantation owners really are running the entirety of the governance. They're buying the politicians that what no matter who's in Democrat or Republican, what they want prevails. They want to tell you, oh, Biden did this thing, but Biden also, you know, approved the um, Willow Project or what have you. So it's it's no different. They just try and put a little flavor or a few sprinkles on it, but it's really sugar over shit. And at the same time, you are getting the same essential foreign policy and domestic policy from both sides. And by the time people realize it, it is just going to be too late. And that's why I support a third party type of ideology because it is interventionist in nature. And if people don't start seeing past 
all of the minutia to realize that we're being gamed, we'll never see it. The other thing too, I was I was gonna say is that um I think some of these people were bought off. I really do think some of these people got captured because if I listen to the bullshit that Kyle Kalinske is saying right now, this does not sound like the same person I listened to four years ago. Like this is ridiculous. And another thing I've noticed that I've pointed out that I think is very strange. I pointed this out to Tara Reid when she was on recently. It's really interesting to me that some of the same people that were quick to cancel Nick Brana because of the sexual assault allegation against him aren't willing to cancel Joe Biden because of the sexual assault allegation against him. And that is, that's very telling to me. That's very telling. How can y'all sit there? Some of these same people sit there and they, you know, talked about what happened with Nick Brana. They talked about the accuser. By the, I interviewed Nick Brana and his accuser, by the way. I interviewed both of them. But they are completely silent about Tara Reid's allegation against Joe Biden. They ain't talked to this woman. And I know because I talked to Tara Reid not just on on the show, but also privately. So I know some of these people have snubbed her. They're ignoring her. Like, I'm, I'm dead serious. Like the Time's Up movement, I believe, is like a big one that turned against her. Yeah, but I'm talking about people in left independent media. Oh, yeah, for sure. Flat for out sure. ignoring her. And I just mean, like, at the beginning, at least, like, on, on Twitter and everything, when all that was breaking out on Twitter, and then it was, like, Time's Up that was speaking against her, saying, it's like, oh, well, she doesn't count. Like, it's like her story doesn't actually matter, you know, over this whole thing, so. Yeah, and well, yeah. even though, like, even though Crystal Ball had her on early on, again, when she was trending, and the story was trending, and it was profitable to do so, but then after that, how can you just sit there on your show and say, well, Joe Biden's been da-da-da-da, he's been great this, he's been great that, and how can you leave out the fact that he has sexual assault allegation against him. Like, how can you pretend like Tara Reid just doesn't even exist? That shit is, is, it's crazy to me. Disgusting was the word I was thinking of, but yeah, <laughs> I suppose crazy works too. <laughs> One of the ways that, um, that you could, that they, that the powerful control the narrative is just they, they extract the real cost for saying these things. Mm-hmm. They, 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 it becomes pretty clear like where the guardrails are. And so when, when someone in independent media steps outside of that, then, um, you know, they, they get powerful people coming at them. They, if they have sponsors, they lose sponsors. If they have access, they lose access. And it's, it, it's systemic, you know, and it's, you know, the whole thing always boils down to, you know, the frame I like top 0.1% versus the rest of us. And they have a set of interests and we have a different set of interests. And, and so, so the narrative control is very much part of, of what keeps them in power, power of the smart one to understand that. And, you know, I think a lot of it boils down to that. It's just, it's sometimes subtly, not so, sometimes not so subtly, but that narrative is, is enforced. Well, I mean, like the thing that really jumped out to me, uh, at least like speaking specifically on Kyle Kalinske, um, what really jumped out to me, I think, like the first time was seeing like how he got kicked out of his own show for that Bernie Sanders interview that they did for uh, Crystal Kyle and Friends. 
And, you know, he said boo about it. He just like, okay, sir, I'll, I'll, I'll bow out of my own show. So as to get you on, cause we know, you know, we, we need those clicks and views. And like, you know, I, I got, I got him on my friend, Joe Rogan's podcast. I know it did numbers on there. So I know it's going to do numbers for us. Like, is this kind of like, it just kind of screamed all that to me, like internally, like as someone who's done content creation myself and podcasts and all that. I I can understand as far as like his thinking with it, not to condone it or anything, but I can understand like where his thinking is going with all that. And uh, I think he was kind of thinking as far as like long-term uh, success, uh, despite, um, you know, the personal snub <laughs> that he got from someone that who he I don't know, supposedly looks up to. And I think the Bernie camp didn't want to, uh, they're basically punishing Kyle because he, he was very critical mm-hmm. in, in the months or years before that towards right. Bernie. And right. so they, that was basically a slap to say, that ain't going to play. And it worked, right? Right. Kyle right. He basically, like, it was basically the Bernie campaign, the part of the Democratic Party, and Kyle was the part of Bernie. <laughs> yeah, but what's weird is, like, these people are millionaires, though, you guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, how much more money do they need? These people are already rich. <laughs> There's never Kyle enough, Kalinske, Think about this. Never Kyle Kalinske became a millionaire because of Bernie Sanders' campaigns. Probably not enough. Probably they need more money. I, I wonder if uh, if you if, if they fall into that same bracket, they they uh, your your government does. Let's say if you make a certain amount of money, you get a cut, like a tax cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wonder if it, if it goes for like people, whether it's him, Kyle, Crystal, make a million. Do you get a, a tax cut or some shit? Are you talking about the Trump tax cuts? Or? Yeah, you just do all right. The more you make, the better you got, right? Sure. Land of opportunity, right? <laughs> like I really like I really do like I really do feel like and I, I have this feeling I could be wrong, but I have this feeling. I really do feel like this whole, you know, progressive strategy thing is only gonna go so far. And I really do feel like once it gets tapped out, people get burned out because you know, in my opinion, I really do think like people like Kyle and Crystal are actually really pissed off with the squad under the surface. They, I don't think they would say it, say how they really feel. Uh, but I think they're really pissed off because in a way that kind of cut into their, their, their business that affected their brand. Remember justice Democrats was started by Kyle and Jean. So in a way it's like, you guys, they probably look at the squad and be like, y'all fucked everything up for me. <laughs> right. For, for I, their business. I, I think they're really cynical. I, I, I think it's, it's basically it's this viewpoint of you know well, we're the adults and we're we're the serious ones and we know you know we now we we're done with all that silly progressive you know lefty you know Bernie stuff now we're you know we're the serious adult people and we're getting paid look at yeah. us mm. so I I think that's the mindset personally he's yeah. doing the same Very thing cynical. he made but he's doing the same thing he made fun of David Pakman for doing because right. David Pakman took the same route I'm gonna keep it real with you guys David Pakman you know, years ago, he was more progressive. As time went by, he started to realize, and he started to get a lot of sponsors, because David Pakman does have a lot of sponsors. He realized, hey, it's actually more profitable if I get in this Biden lane, if I get in this Democrat establishment lane and get away from the Bernie, uh, you know, camp and stuff like that. And it has been very profitable for him. David Pakman does really well on YouTube. He's one that the algorithm highly recommends. Like I don't even, I'm not even subscribed to that mofo and his videos pop up like on my homepage. He also has a Roku channel for people who don't know this. And like, 
David Pakman, like um, Kyle, they started off doing radio shows. Like their show was a radio show first, and then they moved on to other things. But what I'm saying is, is that he doing the same thing he made fun of David Pakman for doing. Well, Kyle's always been a hypocrite. He'll criticize other he, people, but then he'll, when it comes to him, he'll say, oh, there's a nothing burger here. But uh, the only thing I'll say about uh, the Kyle thing, what surprises me is when he basically take off the mask and said, I would have voted for Joe Biden <laughs> if I knew Joe Biden would have given me all these wins. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? What wins? Why? Why did I vote for Jill Stein? <laughs> Why would I vote for Jill Stein if I knew he was going to give me like these tiny little wins? He said it himself. These tiny little wins who, who have now become big wins. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would have voted for him. Okay, so I guess sure. 2024 he's voting for Biden. I have a sure. question for all of y'all. Um, do well, especially Savvy, Do you know the Green if the Green Party is going to run candidates to like go against um, the Fraud Squad? Oh, you mean um, for Congress? Like, do you know anything about like is they setting up like bigger stuff to run against Democrats, Republicans, and the people? Because I'm really hoping somebody run against every one of the um, squad. Because I hope all them burn in hell for how they took everybody last. <laughs> it's not a couple of months. Talks, McConnell will be there. I've, I've heard <laughs> I've heard talks of possibilities of people running against AOC. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also heard this person isn't a green, but I also saw something that said Jamal Bowman might have a primary challenger. Hmm. Yeah, you mentioned that during really? the show, I remember, yeah. Which means still Democrat if it's primary. Right. Right. Like, but that's a good point, Notori. Like, that would be something too good to encourage Green Party uh to do, that they need to primary they need to have Green Party members primary challenge squad uh members. That's actually a good idea. But I think that that is the long-term strategy of the third-party movement. If you notice, Cornell West continues to say his run is but a moment in the movement. And, you know, like I say, I've always said, if when his, whatever the eventuality of his run amounts to, the idea is to seize that momentum and build out that third-party movement. Because writing the wrong direction of this nation is a long-term project and it will without question extend beyond my life. But you have to start building it in earnest now. And to um, Eric's point, it has to be based on concrete deliverables. You know, as long as they can get us distracted and wokeness and all that, and I know all of those constructs are real, but until the class warfare thing is lockstep in deliverables and just force them to deal with what we need, they're going to continue to spin narratives that keep us fighting and carrying on at the base while they running away. And I don't care what anybody says. If your economics is is the governing factor of whether you can be honest and tell the truth about what other people's needs are, not just yours, but other people's needs, then I say you're bad faith if you can just take the money because you find this to be a prodigious way of doing. So you begin to sell out people and just jump into one narrative or another because it's prodigious. 
that will never get anywhere chasing wild geese like that because they're always going to lead you to the slaughterhouse. They're always going to shepherd you into something that's not going to benefit because the only reason they become voices and acolytes is because they're getting money. I mean, that's Noel, like the gatekeepers and the overseers and overseers. So I'd say that the real antidote to that is to have this clear set of demands, you know, to have this, this blueprint that, that you measure these things up against. And, you know, I, I think all this confusion and the nonsense and whatnot is, is what happens when you don't have that. And then people just gravitate towards personalities and parties. Whereas if we had a, a movement that was, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been trying to, you know, figure out how we pick that lock, you know, how we, how we make something like that happen, because there, there needs to be the, this movement, you know, it needs to have clear demands and it needs to be bigger than a Cornell West run or any party or any personalities. And the, the, the Cornell West run for now can be kind of the jewel in the middle of that movement and can be a core part of it. But, you know, how do we make it bigger? You know, my friends, how do we figure this out? You know, I, I, I asked that question. Ask that question because I just don't want it to die out. Like I saw what happened to the Bernie Sanders um, movement because when he threw us the fuck away, that just let me know right then and there that I was done with the Democratic Party. And what pissed me off is I would have never voted for Bernie Sanders if I knew he was offered to run as a third party person. He didn't. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say, if you guys haven't had a chance to see it, um, Nick and CJ interviewed Shama and Jill Stein earlier today. It's it's a long uh, discussion, but um, they talked about all of that. They talked about the movement. They talked about the strategy and all that stuff, and they broke it down. So they also mentioned they went through the labor aspect of it too, like the labor movement and the connection with that. So you have Jill Stein, you have Shama Sawant, you have Chris Hedges, you have Cornel West all together. You see what I'm saying? So if you, when you guys get a chance, watch that interview that Nick and CJ had today with Shama and um, Jill Stein, because they did walk through all of that about what the next steps are and everything. So just FYI. And and Eric, I don't think that it's gonna it's difficult to figure out how to do it. Bernie Sanders demonstrated when you speak to the needs of the people in concrete ways and offer policy perspectives and positions that respond to their needs and you drive the point home consistently, Medicare for all, you know, cut you know, raise the minimum wage that resonates across all lines, but you can't get to the end point and then, you know, point you to the big tent. That's where he messed up. If Bernie Sanders had said, listen, you know, the secretary has been, you know, involved in, you know, nefarious things and she cannot possibly be president. And if you don't get her to disqualify, I am going to take Jill Stein's offer and take this mass of people that I have. And you know, his movement cut across a lot of different um, segments of the, you know, electorate. You have to stay the course. And then people get excited. And then, you know, but what he did was create, you know, turn them back to the Democrat Party, create this, you know, 
mess of a, you know, socialist Democrats or whatever. It was just a whole lot of chaos and confusion. But the things that that resonated with the people and people still talk about to this day is Medicare for all or universal health care, free college tuition, because that's how the working class is ensured that it is not left behind. If you just stick. And that's why I am concerned to a certain extent with um, Dr. West run is because at this stage and I know it's early. He seems to get into these esoteric discussions that are so philosophical and theoretical that people get lost. You know, you ask him a policy question and he goes into my brother, my sister and goes into this big, you know, idea thing and people get lost. We need you to say Medicare for all universal health care. Simplify the message to simplify the message and be able to reach out to people who don't. Right. And and, and, and make it so that everyone can understand understand exactly yes. what it is that you're talking about exactly and you're, and you're what speaking their is. language you got to meet people where they are that's the thing and you can you imagine how powerful it would be if on the democrat side republican side green side everybody just kept chanting universal health care universal health care a higher minimum wage if everybody on all sides was asking for the same thing these rich people would hurry up and build Cop City because they're like, oh, Lord, what are we going to do? There's actually a piece above that that's even more important, and that's the the money and corruption. And, you know, I I have heard Dr. West, you know, talk about that a lot. Um, But I'd like to see it even more. You know, you talk about simplify the message. You know, I I feel like that needs to be the, the, the core because that's the thing that's controlling all of this. Sure. And... And you know, I, like I, I'm, I w- I'm a little disappointed with with what they they posted. I'll look at it again, but you know, like the, the earlier the earlier issues page that they had up that was probably written by Nick Brown, but I don't know, um, really put the put corruption front and center. And if they're going to move away from there, you know, then then I'm going to worry. So that, that's that's what I'm looking for, that focus. And then that also brings you to the fixes, which, you know, are, you know, the finance, the campaign finance and all that other, all that other good well, stuff. When I'm, when I um, bring him back on, I'll, I'm going to talk to him about that as well, like the solutions and stuff like that. But from what I understand today, that's not finished yet. From what I gathered from the interview that they had today, that's not finished yet. Mm. So just FYI, guys. Because also, too, another thing I noticed, like everybody's websites are not finished because I've noticed RFK Jr.'s website keeps getting things added to it, too. So by this time, by next year, that's usually when everything is set. Usually the year. Uh, Serena. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I was going to ask you two things. You said the squad, I think Natura was asking if the squad is going to get like ousted by other people if the Greens basically run people against them. Do you think it'd be okay if you guys accepted what the Greens accepted, Rashida to lead? It seems like Rashida wants to say shit, but she can't say shit on the no. Democrats, especially no, the Palestine shit. No, Rashida Tlaib is a fraud. I've talked to people that live in her district. I've talked to them a couple times. Also, remember Rome out that way, too. So, she's not, she's not who you guys who she said that she was. She's another one. Like, she wasn't working. He always brings up his gra- her grandmother in Palestine. 
yeah, well, well, that is an issue that affects her directly. But Rashida Tlaib, from talking to people in her district, she's not who she pretended to be when she ran for office. Same thing with Ilhan Omar. Ilhan Omar came very close to losing her primary race. Yeah, to another Republican. It's really yeah, easy to figure this out. And walk like a dog. <laughs> and my other question was... Oh, just let um, me say one thing. It's really easy to figure this out with them. You just ask them one question. Is Joe Biden corrupt? <laughs> Your answer mm-hmm. will tell you all you need to know. Right. Yeah, Which they won't question, answer you directly anyways. <laughs> and my other question to you was that bullshit that Kakolinski was saying about the swing states and the safe state. Mm. What's the difference between those two? Like, isn't the swing state like a safe state or some shit? Like he was saying, vote it's in a, a swing, safe state, but don't do it in a, in a swing state for Cornell West or some bullshit like that. Okay, so then, it, how come, then how come he didn't vote green in, in, or independent in 2020 then when he was in New York? I mean, you said he voted for Jill Stein in 2020, I think, right? Jill Stein was 2016. Oh, then. Oh, yeah. So he voted for 2020. And honestly, that's the first time I heard him say that. That's right. And what, yeah. what he is essentially saying is states like California and New York that are reliably Democrat, if you happen to live in those states, then it's okay for you to cast your vote for a green candidate or this and that because the majority of the state is going to go and all the electors are going to go to the Democrats, so it's okay. But if you're okay. in a swing state like Georgia in the last cycle, then your vote counts too much so you can't, you know, fool around with that lest you be called the spoiler. Okay, but my okay, thing so, is vote for so who, vote for who you represent. But I'll also say this on the Rashida Tlaib and others thing. It it's just like the concept from the field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. Some of these people we know on both sides of the aisle are there because that's where they have found their empowerment and this and that. And they may have personal, you know, um, constitutions that are really different from what they're espousing. But if you begin to build that third party movement and they begin to see that it is the way forward, it is an alignment with what their real core values are, you're going to have some of them who are going to do dirty breaks and go cold hard and, you know, speak the whole truth about the Democratic Party as they throw a match over their shoulder and set it ablaze and come sashaying over to the right way of doing. And, you know, there has to be some level of vetting, but you have to leave the door open that as you build it out and people realize, yes, this is the way forward, you're going to have some defectors. And some of them are going to be honest and some of them are going to be not. That goes with the territory. But that, to me, is an indicator that you are on the right track. Yeah, but I also wanted to add, too, and then I'm going I'm to pivot it back to, to David because I know David hasn't got a chance to... The other thing I want to add, too, is that, honestly, I think that's him trying to find a way to make an excuse for being able to explain why he votes for Bi- for Biden in 2024. I'm, I'm just being honest. Like, I'm just going to keep it real. He'll say, oh, well, I'm kind of in Virginia now, and it's kind of more of a, it's a very light blue kind of a swing state, so that's why I'm going to vote for Joe Biden. Like, that's just an excuse that he's giving people right now, so he'll be able to kind of wash his hands clean and say, I'm still progressive. I still believe in these values. Bullshit. If you're really progressive and you believe in those values, you would be voting for the candidate who is running on those values. 
See how quickly they just threw Marianne Williamson out the back door once they realized she wasn't really going anywhere? Once Cornell West jumped into this race, and then they were like, oh, why isn't he doing through Green Party? Then he does do the Green Party. Then they're like, oh, dear. Um, okay, well, we still got to support Marianne. Then they start to realize Marianne's really not going anywhere, and all the shit has come out about her from her staff members and things like that. Now, all of a sudden, it's just, you know what? I regret voting for Joe Biden. See how easy, how easily they can just change course? It's no principles. So. Go, go ahead, David, because I know you called in. Was there anything else you wanted to discuss? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, I didn't want to, like, ruin the vibe and the flow of the whole thing here. So um, I'm coming in for a more, more uh, I guess, like, more lighthearted kind of, like, approach, because I, I, I actually uh, really enjoyed um, hearing about, uh, you know, at least hearing your take, anyway, about the uh, Obama chef story. Um, and like the whole time, you know, because I'm, I am a working voiceover artist, uh, for, for those of you who don't know. And, um, <laughs> I was like thinking to myself, like, oh, how would like TMZ report this just to kind of like jazz it up and get people like to get like, you know, be, be salivating or whatever. And like, you know, thinking that something's going on. And so I was, co I was cooking up a little script here. Uh, so, you know, in classic TMZ fashion, he was cooking up an expose, but this former president ordered him to go more of the story tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun little thing for you, but yeah, I, I know, I know, I know. Savvy loves her conspiracy theories too, so with like aliens and everything. So yeah, you gotta feed it to it. When she was, she was talking. She was saying that uh, he he drowned in the mountains. I was, I was like, how the fuck did he drown in the mountain? Like, how the fuck did you drown in the mountain? Listen, listen, there, there's some deep lakes in those mountains, I'll tell you that. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I was like, okay, either it's quicksand, but I'm like, fuck, he's not in a desert. So it's either he fell into a hot spring and he drowned. Right, right. It's like a, it's like an Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. Listen, I'm trying, I'm trying to tell you guys, something about this thing is just really bizarre and it's weird to me. Also, who the hell goes paddle boating at night? Yeah. I know. And like he, he is an accomplished swimmer, as, as, as you as you pointed out in your show there, Savvy. So I don't know. It, it's very weird. And like the, the only thing that came to mind that made sense was that maybe he got like a cramp or some sort of like physical yeah, thing I, happened I, I to him. I was thinking that. I'm like, can, you, can a cramp make you die on the water? Like, can you just sink if you have a cramp? Both legs are not working. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like that, that was kind of like my only like, you know, non-educated guess. But yeah, I mean, it could be anything really. And like, yeah, like this certainly it's open to to subterfuge of some sorts but i don't know it's uh it's, it's definitely very weird regardless and it could be like a hillary situation you never know yeah, yeah. I, 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 I also i also said maybe he was having an affair with uh michelle or his two girl right. Obama took him out. right uh you gotta go uh <laughs> you gotta go son you gotta go why don't you go swim in that lake and uh don't come back <laughs> Um, what do you call it? Uh, so when everyone was looking at RFK's facial expression and, um, they were saying, you know, he looks cowardice or whatever the case is, you know, it's weird because the naked eye captures a lot more than what you see in the camera sometimes. Sometimes objects appear to be smaller in the camera than when you're right there. And standing there and looking at his face, it didn't look like he was, it didn't look like a cowering. It looked, to me, it looked more like, yes, they're buying it. 
these people are playing right into my hands. Oh. <laughs> and it's a different, what you see on the camera is, is just different than what you see when you're right there. Um, yeah, like I, yeah, I agree really 100% with Roger. I don't know what it is, but it's like your intuition and sixth sense. It kicks in way more if you go to one of these events. Mm. And like, I know a lot of people don't go, but I, I feel like it's so important to go. And it doesn't even have to be like RFK. You know, some people are like, I don't live in a big city, but you, you got your local representatives. And all of these people, you know, kind of lying to people about the Democrats and the Republicans or whatever. When you go in and you see them lie in person, it's so different than when you see it on video. And I just feel like your intuition really kicks in in a way that it just doesn't. I mean, when if you're you... there, you can, re you can really feel the energy in the room. And I mean, I guess in, like in that particular case with that, with that RFK hey, video. You should that... David. You mm -hmm. should have seen that energy. The pitchforks was coming out, pulling yeah. with people pulling pitchforks out of their pocketbook. I mean, it was like crazy. I'm like, holy shit. So what thick you can cut it with a butter knife. <laughs> Look, I told, like, I told you guys, crazy. like, I didn't like that. I wasn't even in the room, but just like watching that, because I watched that clip a couple of times. Mm -hmm. I didn't like the energy. Yeah, you well, that was all truly. Was it? But I didn't like the energy. Was it just because Rabbi Rabbi Shmoli and I didn't get a chance to mention this, but Rabbi Shmoli, if you guys notice, he was sitting at the edge of his seat. I don't know if everyone realized that he was sitting at the the edge of his seat, which people usually do either one when they're anxious or they're getting ready. Yes. They're ready to stand up. Yeah, and ready to pounce anyone that, who's gonna you know, yeah. speak up against them. Yeah, totally. Totally. Whereas RFK no, Jr. Only... was just kind of laid back in his seat. Yeah. Well, he knew that Shmuley was basically taking care of that for him, which, which is why, like, I think, like, with this whole thing, this whole position that he has with Israel, I don't think he's principled in that whatsoever. He's just letting Shmuley basically talk for him on this position. That's why, that, I mean, that, that's probably why you didn't hear him, like, talk about it during his uh, his speech when he announced his presidency in Boston there, there, uh, there, there Savvy. So, um, you know, I, I just don't think he's principled on this. Maybe and I think text you know, hasn't cleared yet. But What's that? Oh, yeah, the sex, yeah, the sex level cleared. Yeah, that's right. Let me just finish. Hold on. Let me wait, just, wait, let me just, just let me ask one question. Was that room mostly dudes? No, um, it was half. It was half okay. and half. And yeah. uh, uh, I mean, I mean, you, you the, the the what you heard did not capture most of the things that was really said when Gaja girl was speaking. Okay. I had to, I had to check somebody um, to my right as sh she was coming toward me. I was just like, Hey, what's up? This other woman was just like, get out. I told her she don't got to get out. You, you go, she can stay right here. If she wants to, you know, like, and, and it was, you should have heard some of this shit. It was just like, oh shit. I had I had missed I'd missed Lucy because I think she went down the elevator after getting kicked out as I was coming up. And I was just like, where'd Lucy go? <laughs> but um Yeah, I saw when that guy Paul see I didn't I was I was outside, right? So when Paul was speaking, I couldn't see him. I'm like, oh, somebody's speaking or whatever. 
And when you played it today, I was just like, that's a New Yorker. When he was when he was just like, oh, fuck you. Oh, shut the fuck <laughs> up. I was like, this dude is a New Yorker, New York, New Yorker. Not like New York, I'm outside of New York, New York, but I'm in New York. But this the dude was just like, you could tell he was born and raised in New York City. He was just like, oh, fuck you, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You remember that? Remember on um, the first that. coming to America? Uh, right. Listen, listen, listen. Remember when we first coming to America when he was just like, I love you. Someone said, fuck you, fuck you too. <laughs> you know, character was yelling out. That's what that reminded me of. But um, I also wanted to uh, say thanks for uh, interviewing Tara Reid. Um, I saw that. Um, I'm glad she found a friend in Russia with Fiorella. Um, maybe that was... Yeah. To be, I'm, I'm glad that they that they're hanging out and chilling, you know. Um, what? So I, I found I found that was cool. Hold up, hold up, sure, hold up, hold up, sure. Um, now getting to pasta. Uh oh. You guys, you guys forgot because you guys was talking about. Oh, he's okay with millionaires and billionaires now. No, no, no. He's okay with Bitcoin millionaires and billionaires. Because he has investments in Bitcoin. Okay? That's why he was just, oh, no, no, these billionaires are good. The, the Bitcoin people are good because they're backing uh, Kennedy. Mm. Okay? So <laughs> just just put that under your How hat. How do you know right he there. has investments in Bitcoin? Because he keeps talking about it. He can't he stop does. talking about it. He's been he talking does, about yeah. it for since. I mean, oh, my God, he just talks about it for the past couple of years. Bitcoin, 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 Bitcoin. Before Bitcoin crashed, especially before Bitcoin crashed, you know, he only talk about it now ever since, you know, Sam Bateman free and all this crashing happened or whatever the case is. He's not as vocal about it. Mm. People probably came after him. It was just like, I oh, full of shit, whatever the case is. Right. But so remember that. Put that under your hat. Now, let me answer Notori Lee's question. So she was talking about um, uh, get somebody green to run against AOC and Jamal Bowman, whatever the case is. So let me first give you the breakdown because this is we're talking about New York State here for a second, right? So the population of the state is about somewhere in between 19 to 20 million, okay? Um, 11 million live downstate. That's New York City and Long Island suburbs, right? So out of all that, about 13 million, 13.1 million are registered to vote. Out of that, six and a half million are registered Democrat. Three and a half million are registered in the, uh, we call it no, we call it independent no party in New York State. So three and a half million are registered no party. Um, Republicans are fleeing the state like a bat out of hell. So they're like two point something million. So there is really, and, and on top of that, um, you have to take a look at something that Cuomo did, uh, but, uh, Governor, uh, former Governor Cuomo did when um, in 2018, during the whole squad thing, we had a, we had a little squad rebellion here in, in the state Senate, in the New York State Senate, right? Where all these, when um, the, uh, Sex and the City, uh, Cynthia Nixon, right? She primary Cuomo. And I guess when she, she wasn't going to win, she talked about these these democrats that caucus with republicans in the senate so she said yo support these people to successfully primary those people and so but what happened and that's how democrats took over the senate right but here's so here's the thing right um 
in in New York State, what happened was the Working Families Party endorsed uh, Cynthia Nixon. The union stayed with Cuomo. So so when Cuomo won, he's just like, I'm gonna fix you, motherfuckers. So what he did is that he raised the threshold of um, petition signatures you have to get for, for to qualify for the ballot in terms of parties to punish working families party. Okay. So what so he raised it from I don't know like six you know, uh, I think it was like forty five thousand signatures you had to get to get to get like Green Party on the ballot, Libertarian on the ballot, so on and so forth. So he raised it to like you gotta get a hundred and thirty thousand. But in order to do that they have to be registered as that third party. That was a way to punish the Working Families Party. But the thing is, here's the thing. The Working Families Party still made the uh, still made ballot access because they got those signatures. Same thing with the Conservative Party. But who it punished was Green Party, Libertarian Party, and all these other parties. Okay? So I... Now, my thing is, I'm party abolitionist. I would, I'm, I'm more about getting the parties and I'd much rather register all of these blue districts in New York City, especially as uh, no party, okay? Especially the easiest people for me to register is not these like white liberals and, oh, I'm, I'm afraid that if I vote, uh, uh, I won't be able to win in the primary. I won't get my primary person or whatever the case is. The, uh, the, the white progressive leftists, they're hard and black people like that are like the you know, boomer age, assigned mature, but the easiest people to get are black people under 50 years old, especially under 40 years old. Okay. So that's going to, if anything, that's going to take some time. I would much rather go that way. And matter of fact, I would much rather black people in general just say later for both of these parties, because I see the brothers are running over there to the Republican party. I'm like, well, that's not really the answer either. Independent is the swing vote. If you want to be taken seriously and you want leverage in, uh oh, am I still here? Mm -hmm. am I still here? Okay, yep. good. Okay. If you, if you want, if black people, especially American freedmen, want to be taken seriously, you have to have leverage. And the best way to have leverage is become independent. And don't let yourself be scared. Well, I know you ain't going to be scared, but don't let yourself be scared into, you know, oh, I got to run over and, and register a Democrat. Because, and I, don't worry, I know you're not doing this because I'm afraid or whatever the case is, right? No, stay independent and use that leverage to be like, well, you know, be, become independent is the swing vote, okay? But we're always in the 40s. If black mm -hmm. people in math registered independent we will break that 50% threshold and black people will become the swing vote of the swing vote. That's, that's how you, that's how you do it. You know what I mean? I'm not really too much interested in parties and all that different type of stuff. I want to get rid of parties. I want to make them irrelevant. Um, because what you start out as you can end up just like them folks over there, um, as well. Also, um, Eric, to answer your question, you was talking about the doc. How do we do it? I already told you. you got to run ballot initiatives. You know what I'm saying? You got to you got to put those demands that you got and start in your state first. Now, check this out. There's resources such as the Fairness Project 
and and I told Terrence Cudney about this too. Um, the Fairness Project and BISC, um, Ballot Initiative Strategy Center, um, ballot.org, they can help you with this. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know, Sabrina, I sent you um, some stuff to, to first before you really start running the initiatives that you want. You have to make the initiative process because I looked at how it is for Massachusetts. And I say Massachusetts because you're, you're my closest uh, ballot initiative state neighbor. Okay. So I looked at the process and I saw where it went, what needs to be corrected. And if we could run a ballot initiative to put the favor more in the voters' favor rather than in the Massachusetts, the government's favor, then that's like the first step that you, that, you know what I'm saying, that you have to have to do. Cause you're, cause like in case anybody don't know, their pit, their petition signature, Massachusetts petition timeframe to get, to, to get petitions on the ballot, to get a, you know, an initiative on the ballot to collect signatures. It's only, it's barely three months. Okay. So in order to change that, you have to run an initiative to say, no, we want two years, just like Arizona, like Arizona and some other states will start like the first January after the last election, after the last even year election and end the July before the next in June before the next even year election. You know what I'm saying? So that has to be, you know, what I'm saying I'm, I'm seeing that we can work something out here because you guys are not too far from me. OK. The other thing is with, with Massachusetts is that you guys got, um, what's that, what's the other thing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys are the only indirect ballot initiative state that instead of saying, okay, if the legislature rejects it, it, it goes straight to the ballot for where the amendments are concerned, they go, no, if, the, if it rejects, then it just dies. So, like, we got to find a way to, to, to correct that. Um, and the last thing. Lucy, did you leave your umbrella in my car? A customer left their umbrella in my car. I'm not sure if it was you. No, I, I, I didn't leave my... I have my umbrella, I think. Wait, I have a blue oh. umbrella. You, Great transition. Okay. <laughs> so that, that must have been somebody else, man. All right. <laughs> um, just wanted to say one thing before I hop off just so Jared can get in here as well. Um, uh, so, Sabrina, I'll, I'll be at the, uh, the barbecue get-together on Saturday. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And, um, just to remind myself, uh, and also to remind you too, um, I have clothes I want to donate. I can donate those, uh, over at the barbecue, right? You can, if you, if you want to, we weren't going to do that, um, uh, for this, this event, but if you have things you want to donate, you want to go ahead and bring them, you can go ahead and, um, drop them off okay. because that, that is going to be the next event is going to be the food and clothes drive. Um, okay. So I'll start raising money for that soon. But um, but if you already have it and you want to bring it, yeah, absolutely. All right. We'll give you like a head start at least. On that, so. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, all right, cool. Uh, yeah, so I'll hop off. Uh, have a good night, everyone, and uh, cheers. Awesome. Let's bring in Jared. What is going on, Mr. Jared? You just have to unmute. What's up? Hey, what's up, Seth? Do we do we do? <laughs> what's up, Sabi? What's going on? What's your take on everything? I know we've been talking about a lot. Um, I guess so. RFK Jr. I guess I'm really not surprised. Um, you know him like 
Uh, when he uh, first said that he wasn't going to, um, I guess, stand with Palestine, I automatically knew that he wasn't going to dismantle the CIA. I'm like, that's complete. Come on, that's crazy. That's it. <laughs> no, I feel the same way. I'm like, really, dude? And I'm supposed to believe you're going to confront the CIA, you're going to reform the CIA or change the CIA? I don't believe this shit. Yeah, I just think that he, it's, like, really weird because he has, like, some things that he does seem to be, like, really progressive on. Um, I forget, it was a young woman who came up here one time and she was saying that he's really progressive on, like, food policy and stuff like that. And not having, I guess, like, GMOs and food and stuff. Because I know he's an environmental lawyer, but then he has other issues where he's, like, completely against progressive policy. So I'm like, this, this dude, is, he's, he's, he's crazy. He's, he's. He's honestly like fooling the left, like how um, Trump, um, or not even the left, honestly, like he's fooling, I guess, like center people, um, the way that like Trump fooled people. And I'm like, these dudes falling for this. Like, this is crazy. It's, 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 it's hilarious, but it's to the point where like it, like, it makes me want to cry because it's like, oh my God, people are so stupid. But um, one thing that I thought was really interesting was you talking about the fires in Greece. And I think it's really interesting, um, like a couple of years ago, I had seen this woman, she came, it's funny, you talked about Democracy Now! earlier, and Democracy Now!, you know, I listen to them sometimes, but you know, you gotta kind of fish through what they're saying and stuff like that, but it was a woman who came up there, and she had a book, and she was saying, yes, the Global South is gonna be severely impacted by um, uh, by um, global warming, and I feel like they've already been going through that for years, but <laughs> because... Now, like, the, the, the north, like, the global north are the ones that are experiencing it, you know, at a, a rapid rate. And I'm like, uh, this, one, this is not good. It's not good for anyone. But it's just, like, it, it seems like something that's, like, backfiring on, um, you know, these um, politicians and things of that nature. I think that's one thing that galvanize people. And um, a second point is I think that, honestly, the fate of the world, um, as far as global warming, um, is really going to be in China's hands because I know that they're moving towards nuclear. Well I, well, I don't know if they're moving fast enough, but I know that they are implementing nuclear energy and things like that. And they are the world's biggest um, emitters, um, you know, and the U.S. is right behind them. So I really feel they're going to have to be the ones to take the ball because I don't know if the U.S. I, I don't think the U.S. is going to take it that seriously. But that was, that was my thought. For Well said. Um, anyone else wanted to jump in? Go ahead, Eric. Or no? Okay, maybe not. Um, Eric, you're, you're mic unmuted, so I thought you wanted to say something, but I wasn't sure. Okay, let's bring in uh, Lucy. Lucy, if you wanted to add anything here. Um, oh, oh, yes, I wanted to add um, uh, that I really think uh, what Noelle was saying about, um, well, she's very eloquent, so she said it better than me, um, about maybe if there's a third party movement of some kind that maybe some of the people that are not third party would switch and uh i i mean i probably haven't done this the best way in the world but i've been trolling like the our city city council reps constantly on twitter and stuff and none of them have listened to me but i i really think it could help to have more people um just like really 
pressuring those local reps to be just re-register independent because get like everyone's like okay we need to get new people elected through a third party but i feel like first of all that's a lot of work and a lot of the third parties they don't even have the infrastructure um but i really feel like um just pressuring the people that are already there um any anybody that's in congress like kristen cinema did it i know that's a terrible example but she re-registered independent if you're already elected you can do whatever you want i mean they don't want to but that's a different thing um so i just wanted to say that based okay cool um the i'm going back to eric i think you need to mute if you're not gonna okay i'm gonna uh force mute uh eric um I think the thing that really like rubbed me the wrong way was like also this this Obama story and like I said guys it could just be a coincidence but I do find it to be very suspicious because it's just number one the reporting about the story on day one when they said the Obamas were not on the island then they had to come back 24 hours later and say they were on the island the reporting like to me, it didn't make sense. Why would they not be on the island? Why would their chef just be outside of their house and they're not there? Like that didn't make any sense. So it made me feel like the media was trying to cover up for something or not, you know, have their name mentioned in any way, shape or form. And two, I told y'all about the Hillary Clinton thing. Now, how is it that both of them got these chefs now and both of these chefs have drowned? And now it could just be a coincidence, but shit is weird. That's just kind of how I see it. It's just, it's weird. It's weird. And I told you guys about Vincent Foster tonight. I told you about that dude that a lot of people forget about him. That guy lasted in the Clinton administration for six months. Six months. And they were like, oh, well, Vince committed suicide. And then, so you see, if you watch, oh my God, if you watch the documentary on um on hulu watch the documentary on hulu it's called um oh shit i forgot what it's called i have to look it up but anyway i watched the whole thing it has something to do with killers no it's it's the monica Lewinsky story oh okay yeah yeah it's the monica Lewinsky story and but it starts off telling the story from linda tripp's perspective and then you get to see it from Monica Lewinsky's perspective. Anyway, at the very beginning of the, of the show, you see this guy, like the very first episode, this shit happens. And so I didn't know about this. And so when I saw that, I was like, let me Google this. Who is this guy? And so I Googled it and I was like, oh, he's one of those, one of those Clinton people that just, that suicided theirself. I don't know, man. But anyway, the weird thing was, like I said, Linda Tripp was just like, my friend committed suicide and I'm just supposed to pretend like nothing happened and continue working. And because she was vocal, they decided to move her from the White House to the Pentagon. And she did not want to work there, but that's how she met Monica Lewinsky, who also got moved from the White House to the Pentagon. Man, you guys got to watch that, man. You got to watch it. Um, Jared, anything else you wanted to add? 
No, I think that was pretty much it. I'm going to, well, actually, one more thing, the thing that Noel was saying. Um, I do think that, I, I do think, and I, I'm a little disappointed that the um, uh, UPS didn't happen, although I am happy that, you know, if they got the concessions that they needed, then I'm I'm completely happy with that. Um, but I do think that there's a chance for people to come together, because I think people are honestly just sick of these two parties. I think that, like Noel was saying, I think that the third party initiative um, is going to start, um, but we have to see how it's going to go. Um, but I do think that global warming is honestly something that will bring people together. Um, that and like stagnant wages, I think, will be the two things that will bring people together. And honestly, I really don't think it's too late. Um, like 50 percent of me thinks it is. The other 50 percent is like, uh, maybe we could pull it off. But, you know, so I think that I think that things can change. Um, I think it's going to be very hard, but I think that a lot of it is definitely going to depend on what happens outside of America too like what happens with BRICS and these other countries coming together because I think that a lot of people do not want to go to war um and I think that you know uh conservatives and Demo- republicans and democrats they're um definitely hawkish on China I think going to war with China will be complete lunacy I think people don't want to do that and I think people will fight against it but I'm not sure you know if the powers that be or whatever we're trying to set something up to make it seem like now we have to go to war with China and everything. But I think it's still complete lunacy. I think even if they did, that's just completely stupid. I don't think anyone would go for that. But um, that's all. I just want to land my plane right there. And Jared, respond. Um, I would hope that global warming would incentivize people coming together, but the historical reality in this country is it becomes a feeding frenzy. One of the things I consistently say is that no one wants to be left behind. And what the 1% class is, you know, very skilled at doing is pushing the polarities and making you think that your neighbor is going to make it and you're going, you're not going to make it. And they just, you know, when we say, when I say the mass is coming together, I fully understand that it would be over the dead and cold bodies of the 1% elite. Because the reality is, you know, capitalism as a economic way of life requires two fundamental things. And that is an extractor class and an exploited class. And that's just the way it works. And so if there is anything in terms of trends or patterns or changes in the dynamic that would appear to unite the masses without regards to race, um, political, this, that, and a third, it would frighten the living shit out of the elite because they know that they depend on extracting wealth out of the masses. So if the masses come together, anything we would demand is going to pose a big problem to the elite because that's going to flip the dynamic of capitalism. And they will, you know, use all of the tropes about socialism and communism and everything else to keep you from demanding things that would be a concession from their extractions. And so You know, I believe that, you know, a certain level or a certain type of crisis or catastrophe could bring the masses together. But the reality is 
by the elites having control of the narrative and this, all the reins of government in this and that, they will make it a unholy project. And they will have, you know, they will push every black, white button, every straight, gay, every trans, every, honey, they would have the trans fighting the trans. But it's just, you know, that's just the reality of what capitalism thrives on and what it requires. Sabrina, you um, put a, um, you connected something. Um, when you was talking about Vince Foster, something when you, I didn't know that Vince Foster and, uh, I was, what was it, uh, Linda Tripp, but Linda Tripp, right? That was the name? Yeah. Um, I didn't know that they were friends. Because now when you say that, that brings it all together for me with Monica Lewinsky. She had it out to get Clintons, for, to get the Clintons for that. If you're saying that, yo, we're going to move on, that was my friend. And I think from that point, she was just like, any way I find that I can to screw the Clintons, I'm going to do it. Oh, yeah, because that's exactly gonna... what happened. She hated Bill Clinton. She did not okay. like she she did not like Bill Clinton. She did not like, you know, she was uh if I remember correctly, she was originally there under Bush. Um, oh. If I remember correctly. So, yeah, she she really did not like that. She was one of those people that felt that Bill Clinton basically stole that seat from or not stole, but that was supposed to be George, you know, Bush Sr.'s re-election and Bill Clinton ruined it. She was one of those people. Now, the shit that she did to Monica Lewinsky was fucked up as hell. Yeah, she because used her as a point. Real. If somebody think they're your friend and they think they have a private conversation, first of all, it's illegal. I, le I know, at least in Massachusetts, it's illegal to record people without their permission. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she later on found yeah. out that it was illegal for her to do that too. Like she had a lot of double whammies that came her way because of what she did. But oh, the thing goodness. is, is that, you know, you're right. Yes. She had every animosity, you know, a lot of animosity towards like the Clintons and she did want to get back at them. She did not want him in the white house. And so when she found out, that that's who Monica was having a relationship with, she decided to record her and get as much information out of her as she could to expose him. Yeah, I didn't, I mean, well, that part, I knew all that, except for the fact that, that they were, uh, that, that Vince Frost and her were friends. Not to mention the fact that, yes, I'm looking at it right now. She was a White House employee in the George H.W. Bush administration. She kept her job when Bill Clinton became president in 93. So that's that's also on Clinton's fault. You know, you, you keeping people around in your administration, okay, <laughs> that from the last one, like, only Democrats do this. You know, okay. only, only Democrats. It's, I don't see... Let me tell you before I forget. Go ahead. It's called Impeachment American Crime Story. You guys can watch it on Hulu now. It's really good. Okay. Like I, when I watch these crime, the American crime stories, because I watched the one about OJ and all that stuff. When I watch each episode, I Google just to make sure what was real, what wasn't real, like that kind of thing. And so I did that with the Crown too, by the way. And so, did you, but, 
Oh, go ahead. Do you, do you um I want to know did you did anybody um not even Lucy knew this. You guys know about the uh, the Gilgo Beach um, the Gilgo Beach uh, thing out here? Serial the serial killer, killer that we had out here? I've been hearing caught. about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um he what was he was killing people. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try to see if I could uh uh I think I got I got a like a little bit of gap, so I want to try to tell it as best as best as I can. So you know, ten years ago, because um, this is what I thought she was talking about when you said something before you said Monica Lewinsky, okay? But we had a serial killer out here, right, further out, and he was um, he he killed some women. I, I forgot how many. I don't know if it was like fourteen or four, whatever the case. It was, right? And it was going on for 10 years. Um, and the reason why it went on so long was because, okay, the Suffolk County Police Commissioner um, had beat up a parolee because he thought the parolee stole some of his uh, sex toys because all these guys was like, all these police officers was going to see hookers or something like that. Um, and he made the detectives cover it up, right? So what happened was when the Gilgo Beach thing started happening, um, the FBI was trying to get involved in it, but out of fear that when the investigation would start, the FBI would find out about what they were doing. They were just like, nah, we got this. And then, you know, like the killings continued pretty much, but they was kind of like long drawn out over a 10 year period. And um, when the guy retired, the Suffolk County Police Commissioner retired and someone else came in, he said, oh, I'm going to go solve this case or whatever. And somehow that's how they were able to, once, once all this stuff came out, because the new police commissioner was not involved with like that corruption that was happening before and, and going to see hookers and all that different type of stuff. He was able to open things up and bring the FBI in. And that's how they were able to, to capture the guy. But um, there was a Hulu special. My, my man told me where these kids go around interviewing um, um, unsolved serial killer mysteries or so, something like that. I, I forgot what it was. I forgot what it was called, but it's a series on Hulu. And what happened was they, um, they interviewed someone in prison who said he knew who that person was and he couldn't figure out what village he was from in, in Long Island. And the guy ended up being from Massapequa, either Massapequa or Massapequa Park. They're right next to each other, whatever the case was. And uh, that was one of the people that uh, they these kids interv ended up interviewing the killer, not knowing that he was the killer. And the guy was saying, "Yeah, this guy's too smart. The police are never going to catch him." But you know, th this is a big dude. This guy was like, he's you know your classic serial killer. Uh, he was white. I think he worked on Wall Street or something like that. It's, but a lot of the neighbors was was like saying, "I bet you, I bet you, he has bodies." I his, thought he was his. an architect. Yes, there you go. Right. There you go. Yes, you're right. He was an architect. 
but he was some type of upstanding. Like I, like I said, I knew I was going to like leave some gaps out or whatever the case is. I didn't really look that much into it, but yes, he was an architect and, um, and people was just like, uh, the neighbors was just like, eh, um, but you that guy has bodies in his basement. He was like always weird. He says someone would say hi to him and he would just look at him with a cold stare. Uh, <laughs> and what was, what was the, what was another one? Uh, some kids trick or treated at his house and, the, and when they bought the candy home, the mom found out where they got the candy from and threw it all out. Uh, there was some type of, he had some type of a, a thing in his basement you know, like, nah, no one can go down there, whatever the case is. But, you know, it, it, it was, but, you know, they finally caught him, whatever the case is. But, yeah, it was just like, it, it was just like crazy, whatever. But it just shows you that they could have solved this, <laughs> you know, long time ago. Some people, you know, if, you know, the police weren't, you know, going around chilling out with hookers and beating up parolees because they thought that he stole his sex toys or whatever for, for the hookers and didn't know that, the guy had nothing to do with it, you know, whatever the case is, but, you know, corruption leads to more killings. Don't do corruption. Mm -mm -mm. Okay. Well, let me bring in Natalie. Cause I know she's been waiting for a minute. Thank you so much, Jared. That's a crazy story, Roger. What's going on, Natalie? Hi, thank you. Um, I, okay. Finally. I finally got my chance. I'm sorry for about before. Um, I kind of wanted, had a lot I wanted to say, but um, going on what, I guess I should start off with Noel. kind of, I very much am feeling on that page where I'm just, I don't know. I feel like, I really feel like the fascist state coming to fruition in the nearby future just seems to be what's going to happen. And I guess... I guess where we're at now is, in my opinion, I feel like the censorship is our biggest fear because that's kind of how it starts. I mean, there's a lot of things, but once once that really fully takes hold, I mean, I don't know. I mean, both my parents grew up in fascist states. I don't think you're allowed to be on a call-in in a fascist state talking even the way we are. Um it gets, or maybe you are to some extent, but I guess unless if you have any power, if they view you a threat, it gets turned off. So it's pretty scary. And um, so I guess I was just kind of, as far as like RFK and Cornell, um, I, I hate RFK's Palestine stance, but I, I feel like we're kind of in a place where we have to support the policies of the candidates we like and still condemn their bad policies, not just like endorse the candidate, but just speak up for the policies that you do like. Uh, and I, and I feel like Cornell and RFK, they're both kind of like becoming victims of their own, like their bias. I feel like Cornell's bias comes from his small academic, not his academic circles. So I feel like they don't see the COVID or the COVID mandate stuff is very much like, you know, being against them is, and is, 
I mean, I think what was it, 140 universities are still requiring mandates. So like, that's very much in line with their thinking. So for him to contradict that, I think it's a little harder for him because that's who he's been surrounded by. And then he's good on everything else where RFK, I think it's the same thing. I think his blind spot, I think they attacked his, you know, like he, I think RFK, I do think he's a good person. I mean, obviously I think, I think they both are. I think Cornell and RFK are genuine truth tellers. I think RFK's friends and family, there's some Jewish thing there and it just blinds him completely because it's, I mean, it doesn't go, it goes against everything he says. Um, as far as foreign policy, it doesn't even make sense. I think Max Blumenthal brought that up. Um, but I yeah, don't know. Well, well, one thing I want to say is like the Kennedys are Irish. They're Irish Catholic. Right. But like every time the, the anti-Semitic thing comes, his family like jumps on stage and like attacks him. Like there's something personal going on there. And, and for someone who like I watch him closely when he talks, like he's comfortable when the truth and he's very uncomfortable when there's something that's incongruent with how he feels and the palestine thing is definitely that it's like something off there i don't think i don't i mean i'm just just gonna go ahead and say it i'm sorry yeah i think you know i live here in massachusetts yeah the kennedys are not all that people think they are they're not all they're cracked up to be neither was jfk and neither was rfk and when we talk about when he talks about how you know his uncle that's jfk you know and the the alliance he had with mlk and the way rfk felt about that that's not a hundred percent true i i believe that do you want to know why i think what what i think makes him stand out i think it's his personal history i don't think i think his his idealism of his father and his uncle, I think as someone who lost them and has lived his life, like kind of viewing them on this pedestal, I think that he wants to present those traits, whether they actually, whether it was true for them or not, I, I believe that that's his connection to his family. But I think if you look at what, what I think makes him a great candidate is for one, the CIA killed, well, he believes they killed his father and his dad, which I do think will make him fight against those corporations. Two, I think he was a drug addict for 17 years. And I think that allows someone, when you can recover from that, allows someone to be at their rock bottom and it, and it brings a humanity there that he clearly had. I mean, he he hired drug addicts and convicts to work for his river alliance. Like he spent three months in jail in, I can't remember somewhere in the South um, for standing up for what he believed in. And, you know, some waterways were being poisoned in Latin America. He, I mean, he just, I think that I, I think that he's, I think he's a good person, but I, I, I think he's a very I, I, fallible listen, person. I, I'm just going to keep it real. I think huh. this is all about money. 
for him he's been rich his whole life i actually think that's one of the things he has going for he's been so privileged his whole life that i don't think he's even afraid of what could happen to him because i don't think he's ever had to be afraid when you're that privileged i don't think he was worried about going to jail because i don't think he thought it would turn out that bad he's not afraid of what could happen to him because he's already been approved by the billionaire class Anytime that you have someone like David, uh, David Sachs donating to you and, and throwing you fundraisers, and at the same time, David Sachs is donating and throwing fundraisers to Ron DeSantis, this tells you who RFK Jr. is aligned with. Yeah, but that's that. And I understand that this is like a conspiratorial thing, but that's that reset moving. You know how you're saying, um, somebody was saying about pasta with the bitcoin that's not it's not just like for one i rfk said it he believes that you like this is the way the game is being played right now and if you want to have a chance but he totally believes that there shouldn't be super PACs. and i understand the principle line but like when you're looking at a country turning into a fascist state like i don't think it's gonna be like no. another another biden clinton experience no. the next time around it's gonna be way worse no 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 rfk jr knows that's not what you have to do if you want to play the game because bernie sanders proved that wrong bernie sanders did not have super PACs. bernie sanders most of his donations came from small dollar donations like the people who gave that 27 dollars or that 10 dollars or that five dollars so bernie sanders proved that you did not have to have that and okay but he ran through the dnc right and, and so was our and so was RFK. And what if RFK makes a dirty break? He's what not going to make it dirty. Let, okay, let, but let what if he be, does? Does the big money? No, no, no. Is that let different? Very, I want to be very clear here. RFK mm -hmm. Jr. is not going to make a dirty break. He's been very clear about the fact of supporting the Democratic Party. He's a Democrat. He does not have a plan B. He's not going to make there is no dirty break here. What RFK Jr. is doing is he is running for president through the democratic party in his mind he really thinks that he has a shot the reason why he thinks he has a shot is number one because he is a kennedy so he's getting a lot of press because of his name number two he's in line with people who are movers and shakers he's wealthy but he's not a billionaire like elon musk and like david sachs but he's friends with those people yeah yeah so the thing is is that what we need to sit up sit back and ask ourselves is why is it that David Sachs is donating money to RFK Jr. who's running? He's supposed to be a Democrat and, and running against censorship and all that jazz. And at the same time, he's donating to Ron DeSantis. And I'm talking about this tomorrow night on RBN. Ron DeSantis just recently made a statement saying that he would select RFK Jr. to be a part of his cabinet. Let's look at what's happening here. But that's the hear that RFK Jr. is is a is a a good decent person, and he's friends with Steve Bannon. See, I just watched I just watched an interview of RFK Jr. Kudos to Roger for letting me know. I just watched an interview from RFK Jr. on a black podcast in a barber shop, and RFK Jr. They're talking about everything. They asked him about reparations. He's like, well, yeah, I believe that money should go to black institutions, but he doesn't believe in cash reparations. And luckily they push back on him for that. Now here's my problem that I have. When it comes to uh, you know, that issue or any other issue in reference to people who are Jewish or, 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 or Israel, 
He believes in supporting them as much as you can. But when it came to black people, he made the statement that he don't think it should be cash. It should go to the institutions. That is a whack ass old logic. We all know what happens when that money goes to black institutions. That money does not trickle down to the black community. We've seen this proven time and time again. So let me make this very clear. How are you going to be sitting in a black barbershop and you talking about you agree with reparations and you friends with Steve Bannon? That don't make no sense. But why do we think he's friends with Steve Bannon? Because he is. Look it up. But he, I think he specifically he said he wasn't friends. But here's the thing for me. Um, like you said, Natalie, RFK yeah. Jr. has been, has lived an elite privileged lifestyle yes. all his life. Right, right. So there's only so much about common everyday life that he is going to comprehend. Yeah. What I, I have what I have said time and time again on this podcast and other places is that the only way his candidacy makes sense as running through the Democratic Party is that he is covertly planning a dirty break. That is the only way his candidacy makes any type of coherent sense to me if yeah. he is, you know, trying to reclaim the um, zeitgeist of what he felt the was back in his father and uncle's day. That said, you know, this man is an attorney. He's demonstrated that he's a very brilliant thinking person. You cannot get me to believe that he mm -hmm. genuinely cannot see or make heads or tails of the Israel-Palestinian crisis. That I don't is know what so, that is. There's something wrong in that. But that's what I'm saying. That is yeah. so disingenuous. And what I it say is. that says to me, regardless of who he may or may not be friends with, because we can't know that, but yeah. character is the measure of a man. And, you know, Dr. West may get some bad reads on things because of the narrowness of what academia represents. But what is clear to me across but all he, of Dr. Yeah. Uh, all of his communications is that he is for the oppressed and downtrodden across the board. Yeah. And he makes that clear. His read on Ukraine, his read on Palestine, Israel are right on spot. He is taught and, and his read on other things in terms of foreign policy, he speaks about empire and the dismantling thereof. You, I cannot wrap my mind or give any type of leeway to RFK Jr. to speculate that as brilliant as he is, he just doesn't get Israel. And to me, that's what I, I don't I'm, think, I think it's psychological. But I, think that's where, but I think that's where the red line and the bells go off because yeah. he is too bright to not get it. So yeah. there is something there, but it gives me pause because it suggests yeah. to me that you are not a good faith player. Because yeah, you and see it. He can be manipulated in some He can be manipulated. Us. And that's not to say that Dr. West can't. But so far, what we see in Dr. West is a more principled and person with more integrity and who is willing to speak the truth and not pretend that he don't see him. And right. so 
that that's the difference between those two men for me unless like we say in the end RK Jr is really RFK Jr is really planning that dirty break and to break green or whatever and that would make a type of philosophical sense because I'm like okay he really did know that the Democratic Party cannot be changed, but he was picking up on that Bernie thing. And once he got that big majority or that whatever numbers he got, he is going to speak the whole truth about everything and go on over to a different way and consolidate with a way that could really change this nation. Because he cannot believe that he witnessing what happened with Bernie Sanders twice. He cannot believe even if his name is Kennedy, especially with his legacy and lineage from the 60s, that that Democrat Party is going to be changed from the inside or that they will even allow right. him to be the standard bearer for that party. He can't believe that. I don't, I don't well, know. I was just, just going to say, I'm just, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I think he's in bed with the Israel lobby. I think that's what this is really about. I think there's money there. And I think Max, he attached himself to that. And and the other thing, too, is there has been something very telling to me in reference to his campaign. Like I said, it does not make any damn sense. It doesn't make sense that Dennis Kucinich is his campaign manager and him and Dennis Kucinich are the exact opposites. That don't make sense. Dennis Kucinich, when he was in Congress, he was called a progressive. So him and, and Cynthia McKinney they saw as problem, problem childs. So they got rid of them. They redrew Dennis Kucinich's district so he wouldn't be there anymore. Dennis Kucinich stood up for Palestine on the world stage. Okay. So yeah, that, that is crazy. To me, that, that, that does not make any sense. The other thing that doesn't make any sense to me is that he is actively avoiding talking to any show that has a left audience and i'm sorry guys but this is a big flag for me even if it wasn't even me yeah. you I, mentioned I he hasn't talked this. to a black he hasn't i mean now okay he went into the but you know what i think it is and this is the black I, podcast that he went on is not even a political show it's no. an entertainment show and yeah. that's what people have to understand so again like i said no one else has done this. Marianne has been on every type of show, whether you, we like Marianne's campaign or like her or not. She's been on every fucking type of show, whether it's been right wing, left wing, you know, liberal. She's been on all of them. Cornell West has been on all of them. RFK Jr. has only been on shows that have a right wing audience and everybody needs to start asking themselves why. If you run into the Democratic Party, why the hell haven't you been on any of the shows that have a left audience? Why is he after well, he's been on rising? Is that not is that conservative? conservative. Rising. Is. I've been on rising multiple times and I can tell you that audience is conservative. Breaking points audience is majority conservative. These are not left-based audiences. So that's what people have to understand. He went on to my friend's show who mm -hmm. lives in New Hampshire. They have a, a podcast in New Hampshire, Jackman Radio. He went oh, on yeah. their show. I saw them, yeah. They have less than 5,000 subs, but they're libertarian. So he's been on these libertarian shows. He's been on right-wing shows. I have yet to see him going to any show that has a left audience. And I'm here to tell you, every single one of us have reached out. We are actively being told the same thing. You're in the queue. You're in the queue. And then we see him go on to same shows twice. And so the thing is, in fact, they just called me again the other day. Well, 
Okay. Okay. So, so you know what? That is that is a little strange. I didn't realize that Rising was conservative for some reason. I guess I should have known with a libertarian. I, I, I don't know. I just thought it was like 50-50. No, it's, um, it's not. It's never been 50 Not the audience. As long as I remember. Too. Yeah. So, Nat- Natalie. Yeah. yeah. I, let, me, let me just say a couple of things. Sure. Bobby is not a libertarian. And the reason oh, he's why. he's not? Well, he says he is. Yeah. But if you watch, um, I saw I saw a Larry Sharp show. He he's a libertarian, mm-hmm. and he did a segment on Robbie Suave saying he's a libertarian, and I've never seen Larry Sharp lose his mind so much because he was just like, "You are not a libertarian. Just say you're Republican. I don't care. It's it's okay to be a Republican, but just stop acting like you're libertarian." He was going crazy. I've never seen Larry beside him. It's, it's like when these people on the right call the like the, the Democrats socialists and commies and all different types of stuff. And we're on the left of the Democrat Party go crazy because we're like, oh, my God, they're, 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 stop calling them that. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But, well, so, he votes, but so that is where our, he, so he I, is I will not say a socialist. Just, I just want to say something really yeah. quick. Robbie and I did have this conversation on Rising twice. He voted third party though. Okay. So oh. he's never voted. Like that's that's the thing that he has explained. Like he voted, he votes for the libertarian candidates. Just FYI. Oh. And he said the same thing. He said if Gary Johnson had not been on the ballot, he still wouldn't have voted for Trump. So Natalie. Um, so what do you, what do you call it? So what I was going to say, all right. So you're, you're, you're in Massachusetts with Savvy? Me? No, I'm in New York on Long Island. (laughs) Where at? I mean, you don't got to, I'm not saying. Oh oh, no, I'm in Riverhead. In Riverhead. Damn. Yeah. crap. (laughs) That's, that's the fork in the road. Yeah. Right at the fork. I hope I didn't scare you. With, I hope I didn't scare you with the Gilgo Beach thing. I know you're out there. Oh no, no! I actually, I, I, I heard something about it. <laughs> it didn't scare me. But I, um, I think I heard like Alec Baldwin talking about how he went to school with them or something on <laughs> like some tweet. I don't know. With the killer. The Baldwin, the Baldwin brothers are from Massapequa. Either Massapequa. Yeah, but um, I'm just gonna say, like the Kennedys get away with a lot of shit, and you that's what, what people yeah. like don't understand. Like, imagine if RFK Jr. Let's let's switch the roles. If it were, well, that's not Cornell West because he's always been left. But pretend RFK Jr. was black and he was saying the shit that he said, he would have already been shut down. It would not even have gone on this long. RFK Jr. is saying the things that he's saying because he know he has the privilege to he's be entitled. I, he is, but you know what? I don't see that as. I mean, it. You know, I don't want that as a, a personal friend of mine <laughs> to be an entitled asshole. But like, someone in his position, like when we're looking at politicians, like what I dislike most is someone who is disingenuous and corrupt and knows how to, you know have a poker face and just do basically what the, you know, the politicians have been doing. And I see him as kind of, you know, this black sheep of the family that I, you know, I don't even know if the Palestine 
I was thinking maybe the Saran Saran thing might be something to do with whatever goes wrong there. But I feel like his, um, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. What was I going to say? He's not that much of a black sheep. Like, this is being overblown. (laughs) Okay, RFK Jr.'s campaign is operating right out. I mean, he's been doing the anti-vaccine thing. Have you? I mean, as someone who's had a vaccine injury, do you? And my every single one of my friends, and they, they, they can't handle it. He's not anti-vaccine. He's explained this right, but he is far as what they call anti-vaccine. Yes, he's pro-safe vaccines, which I am too. But so is anyone i don't think anyone would be anti-vaccine if they felt like there was no way they could injure them right, so that's, but, that's, but, that's just a manipulation but, of the but, language but this is all a, a sham he got the fucking vaccine everyone in his family he got the vaccine. he didn't his get it got the vaccine. oh you mean his his wife got the vaccine he didn't get the covid vaccine he got the vaccine well he said on joe rogan he didn't and he said his whole protocol Okay, well, let me ask you a question. Why is it when he had the event, why was it required that everybody had to be vaccinated? I mean, he said his wife was the one who sent out the invitations. It sounds like they can't, you know, there's some marriages where it really is like that. You know, it's like her life, like he wasn't paying attention to that stuff. I mean, I kind of believe that. No, dude, no. I've heard this from multiple people. Well, you think he believes that the vaccine was prevented COVID? What he said, what he believes is that he's for he's for the safety of it. He's not anti-vaccine. So just because he spoke out in reference he, he to the vaccine. He does that. That's not, I don't think that's fair. I think he gave him, took the vaccines and so did his kids when he believed they were safe. And if he were to do it today, he wouldn't do it. Okay, so why is that any different from other people who were in the same situation? And this is the this is the problem that I have because you do have people right now like Pasta who's mm-hmm. saying you guys need to come after Cornell West because of the vaccine. And I'm like, he's like Cornell West took the vaccine. So did I. I had to take I it did because too. of my job. I had to take it because of my job. So why are we at this point where it's like now you got to shame people who took the vaccine in the first place? I don't think, I mean, I don't think we should shame people at all. I mean, I took it because I thought my, you know, my kids had some like not even severe vaccine injuries, but they had injuries where they do have a medical exemption. And I thought maybe, you know, I should take it to see if they should take it. Because at that point and early on, I thought that they could get really sick from it, especially with their stuff. And I had a bad reaction and it wasn't the end of the world. You know, it was like a month on steroids and some hospitalizations, but it just, I just, I just know the, I know the industry is corrupt and that's the problem. And I also watched. And so does he, but he wants to tell you that Medicare for all is not feasible. The same person speaking. I think that's the the free market capitalism person in him. And to be honest. No, Natalie, that don't make no sense, hon. If you know, if you're calling out the corruption of big pharma with the vaccines and you're calling out the money that they made from these vaccines, then you and yourself know that big pharma is corrupt. And if you know that big pharma is corrupt, how do you go into an interview and say that you don't think that Medicare for all is feasible and you want to do a public option, but you think it's feasible to tear down the CIA? This doesn't well, make Because you don't sense. need congressional support to tear down the CIA and you need congressional support to vote in Medicare for all. 
And I honestly, no. he kind he gave a cheap answer for the Medicare for all, but I don't, I think that has to do with the, I think that has to do with believing in the way you look at human nature. I don't think he's a socialist. I don't think he believes that, uh, you know, that socialism is the right answer. I think he thinks the best way for human nature to thrive is through capitalism, but not the crony capitalism that we have. And But that doesn't make any sense for someone who's an environmentalist because environmentalists know that if you still have capitalism, you're still going to have these problems with the environment. But so that he doesn't explains, make any sense. He explains the environmental piece. And you know what? I personally, like I, you know, my family is like, Polish and Austrian. So like I grew up, you know, understanding the Austrian system and partially there. So like, I understand what what socialism can look like at its best, but you know what I also know when COVID hit in Austria, they made, I mean, when you have I have to correct that here. I've lived in Europe, Poland and Austria are not socialists. Austria is. Austria is not a socialist country. I think you're confusing a democratic socialist country. That's not the same thing. Okay. Okay. But it's what we, what's it's what the progressive left was hoping for here. No, what the progressive left was hoping for here is what they have in Denmark, oh. not what they have in Austria. Okay. So, okay. So I, Natalie, I didn't, I didn't, I, I didn't, rec- I didn't rec- realize Nat- that. So, so, yeah. so Natalie, what is it that you're looking for in terms of policy? What I'm looking for in terms honestly, I feel like I don't know how to phrase this. Like I do like Denmark, but I think when you have a fascist. No, 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 no. What do you okay. want in terms of what laws would you like to see passed? See, the reason, I mean, I, I could tell you what I, what I would like, but I'm not looking at it from, like, I'm looking at it from a thing of we need to elect someone so that this country, so that we don't lose freedom of speech. Because without, with censorship and propaganda, we're going to be a fascist country and then it's all over. Like, I, I can't, like, list out, I, I can't list out, like, the social, like, the Denmark country that I wish we had, that Denmark doesn't even have right now, because it's happening I over just, there. I'm sorry. I think I need to define what socialism means, because I think yeah, people are getting a little bit confused. Yeah. Socialism is when the workers own the means of production. Okay, we but look what's happening in Denmark. That. They're selling off all the farmland. That's because... not socialism. So what where you is see socialism? in Denmark Natalie, I think you're confused with the terms. Denmark is not a socialist country. Just like Germany is not a socialist country, Denmark and Germany still have capitalism. What right. We don't really have socialist countries. All we have what is... You're, what you're referring to, those countries, as Bernie Sanders called them, democratic socialist countries, they're right. more so social democracies. Right. And what they do is they exploit the workers in the global South. Right. They're still capitalists. So I don't think that's a fair comparison. But we're not, America's not going to turn into a social. (laughs) But here's the thing. I I would love that. I don't see what's funny about this, Natalie, because at the end of the day, capitalism means people are still being exploited. You are still exploiting the worker. 
This is why I continue to push like we need to have worker co-ops. I think that is incredibly important. You need to own a piece of the company. We don't own anything. Don't you see how all these comp- all these employees keep going on strike because their employers don't even want to give them a raise? But how do but you think we get there? Concern, but wait a minute, let me finish. Your number one issue seems to be, well, let's focus on the vaccine and the COVID. And don't get me wrong, I totally understand that issue. But I bring it back to the healthcare system in this country. If you're not going to give everybody health care in this country, your point on the vaccine and the COVID and the profit from the pharmaceutical uh, industry is mute. If you can't connect it back to the problem that we have with big pharma in this country overall. And that's why I said RFK Jr. stance when it comes to health care in this country is whack because he's not making that connection. And the reason why he's not making that connection is because he is a capitalist and he still wants to be able to profit. That's what this is so, really Madam, about. So, so Madam, let me, let me ask. Right. You yes. Yeah. What what laws would you like to see passed? What would you like? Medicare for all? I mean, I I would like everyone to have a higher standard of living, Medicare for all. Um, I would like, I definitely would like to have our First Amendment rights intact. Um, I don't like to self-censor, so... Um, I, I definitely would like to have informed consent and medical freedom. I mean, honestly, like, you know, I understand what you guys are saying, but like when you have kids who have a vaccine injury, like you, like, okay. So listen, that's a red line. Yes. But and your kid has a vaccine injury. How are they going to get that treated and taken care of? That's why you have to make the connection to the bigger picture. So, Natalie, you just said you want Medicare for all, correct? And in the First Amendment rights enforced, correct? Hello? Yes. Okay. Have you supported and pushed your state senator and your uh, uh, state assembly person to push for the New York Health Act? No, I mean, I've just, this is the most I've gotten into politics in my life. So I vote every have year, but I've never York gotten into. Have, have, you, have you heard of the New York Health Act? Yes. Okay. It's better than Medicare for all. Okay. Because okay. we would be outlawing, we would be outlawing private health insurance companies from operating in New York State. Okay. okay. The state would pick up the state would pick up everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you would see in tax hike, you would save more. You would you would save more in savings because you're not paying co-pays and deductibles and all that all that crap. Yeah, it would cover every it would cover everybody, regardless of citizenship, and it would cover every it would cover people who may not live in New York State but they work in New York State. Mm-hmm. Okay. Everything it would, it would come for now. Sometimes you don't have to go all the way to the federal government to see what they could do. You take it's more important who our governor is than who the president is. Now you said enforcement right. of first. Now you said enforcement of first amendment. So let me tell you something that, that Kathy Hochul did. 
Governor Kathy Hochul did. Mm -hmm. She violated that because she signed some crappy bill into law done by uh, uh, State Senator Kaplan that allowed for, um, uh, I forgot what it is, something to do with the government censoring on online speech because okay. the fact that, I mean, you want to talk about, matter of fact, you want to talk about can't like stand vaccines her, but... and all that stuff. You want to talk about vaccines and all that stuff. Let me tell you something in case anybody here don't know what Kathy Hochul did. She, she's a nightmare. Tried to force, <laughs> she tried to force the, um, the government workers, right? Like, uh, like hospital mm -hmm. people, you know, nurses, all that stuff to take the vaccine and all that stuff. And a lot of them quit. A lot of them left the state. Then she turns around a couple of years later and goes, oh, we have to rebuild our, we have an emergency crisis. We have to rebuild our healthcare workforce. Okay, how about you just hire the people that you fired? Okay, yeah. so you, so instead of worrying about what's going on all the way in DC that, that, that you really don't have as much control and power over, yeah. worry about what's going on right here in this state. Because when you were just talking about enforcing the First Amendment, she had she passed a law that violates that 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 allows I mean I don't think it's being enforced, but the law is on the books. Okay? Focus yeah. charity begins at home. Okay? Yeah. And I know a lot of times we get caught up in, in what's going on in DC and global affairs and all that different type of stuff. But at the same time, look, we can talk about we can talk about I mean, they have codes like for the unvaccinated already and the like, you know, the DSM and the ICD, they're already putting codes down for if you're a vaccine hesitant person or if you haven't, if you didn't get the vaccine for COVID. Okay. But at the, Which at the is same crazy. time, but I, I will say this, that's mostly in people's rear view mirror. The, 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 we, we keep talking yeah. about the vaccines and the COVID. Yeah, and I feel like we kind of won that battle. So in some aspects, yeah, I agree. People, I'm sorry. People, look, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Yeah. The reason why this issue is being, being brought up is because it affects white people. Like, I'm just going to keep it real. I think you're right. Is, I think you're absolutely right, right Sabi. And I realize that but the because point is, it's but the, the point first is, time they have felt like black people in this country if you could you can read all the books you want you can take all the race theories you want is the first time that they have felt like their rights were taken away and they were harmed on purpose and their government didn't care about them and i don't think that we should use that against white people i think that that should be what brings people together to understand that because they've been too privileged to really feel it you can read about it you can hear about it but until you feel it, it doesn't matter Right. But until it comes to bringing people together when it comes to black issues, though, until it comes to bringing people together when it comes to immigration yeah, issues, no. though, until it comes yeah. to bringing people together when it comes to issues that directly affect minority communities. See, this is the problem. It's all about let's come together and bring people together when it's issues where white people are affected. But when other marginalized groups are affected, we're on our own. Ain't nobody trying to come together. Ain't nobody trying to I, unify. I hear you. Ain't none I hear of that. You. So the thing is, now, all of a sudden, we're supposed to feel the same type of pain that you guys are feeling. We're supposed to have that same type of sympathy and empathy for, for white people because you have been hurt and your communities have been affected. But all these years and decades when black communities have been affected, the immigrant communities have been affected in this country, we were left on our own. And I just want to point that out. This is not like yeah, no, I, you, Natalie, I, I, but I that needs I to be you. said.
I hear you. I do. I, I mean, unfortunately, I, the, the, how I really feel is the people who are the most affected by vaccines are people with ADHD, which does disproportionately affect black people too. So that's what, well, how I actually view it. But that's a whole nother conversation. Um, I just, let's focus on what we could get done right here in New York yeah. state. There's, there's not too much you're going to be able to do with DC. Focus yeah. on what we could get done here. Yeah. Okay. Do you, let me ask you, do you know that they raised the, uh, the legislature, state legislature just gave themselves a huge raise last year, but yet we still like left behind. They went from, they gave themselves a raise from $110,000 a year to $142,000 a year and didn't attach a, a, a minimum wage to that bill. And I mean, even a minimum wage that's above cost of living. Did you know that? I, I, I don't know these kind of details, but that's why I'll keep listening to your show so that I do know, learn these things. Um, well, she doesn't talk I wrote it down. I know, time. I know, but you, you do, to, you always talk you about how I should, you should go to the grassroots and I mean, I'm starting to, I guess, I, I think maybe I've learned that when people first get into politics, they pay attention to the big picture and then they realize that going third party. And you know what? I'll probably end up voting for Cornell West. Um, I mean, I'm definitely going to vote for Cornell West. Cornel West. I'm not going to vote for Biden or I think, Trump. I think, I think for me, it's not even necessarily about that. It's the fact that we have to understand sometimes like, how marginalized groups have been treated in this country for a long time. And we have, for the most part, we have not had allies on the other side. There has been a few, yeah. but for the most part, we have not. And this goes back to the conversation that I had with Pasta on my show when yeah. I continued to push him and I said, who does it isolate, Pasta? And he finally said, it isolates working class white people. You see, that's what it was really about. We can't isolate white people, but it was okay to isolate black people, to isolate immigrant communities. When Trump said the shit that he said when he was running in 2016, nobody came to Trump and said, you need to change your rhetoric so you can appeal to other groups. No, Trump did what he, he, he stayed himself. He said what he really felt. He didn't have to change his rhetoric. But when it comes to Cornell West, all of a sudden it's he needs to change his rhetoric so he can appeal to working class white people. But I didn't hear those same people say that shit when Trump had the rhetoric that he had when he ran in 2016 to change his rhetoric to appeal to immigrant communities and black communities. Trump went into black churches, had that same rhetoric, stood there in the pew i saw the videos did the people at the church tell trump to change his rhetoric no they didn't so why yeah. is it when it comes to black people and other marginalized groups we have to change who we are to appeal to the white majority but the white majority ain't never got to change who they are to appeal to us and i think that's something that we all need to sit back and reflect on And here's yeah. the thing, but it, it, yeah. it ties right back to what I've been saying over and over and again. You know, this is a plantation nation. Yeah. And, and you know, it is fundamentally still a white majority. And that white majority, as long as it feels that it can survive and it doesn't matter.
what happens to everybody else. As long as it feels, it will survive. And when you look throughout American history, what we have seen is that if any type of policy, procedure, pandemic, anything mm -hmm. that had an, a more adverse impact on the descendants of slaves and others, the white class, the white people in our same economic class did not care. And that is the substance of white privilege in this society. It's saying dollar for dollar, class for class, you will still have some, even if it's menial or marginal, you will have some privilege over the descendants of slaves in this country. And so far that has been enough. Now in years gone by, it translated more readily into economic and social capital and this and that. So, but now we've gotten to the point where the economic point has basically disappeared. And, and white privilege for everyday working class people amounts to not being shot by the police when they stop you. But until there is that, that um, epiphany and that come to Jesus moment in working class and poor white America, that there is a solidarity to be had with black people, but that it has to be rooted in justice first. Because you hear a lot of poor and working class white people who will cite, oh yeah, I want Medicare for all, we want an increase in minimum wage, but when you say reparations, they draw a hard line. But the reality is, this nation was founded in slavery. When the slaves were free of the shackles, they were not given economic restitution. And as mm -hmm. a result of that, they have been, we have been at the bottom of the socioeconomic register in this country from the beginning to now. And so until you, until white people and working class white people can wrap their minds around the fact that without a type of economic justice, Blacks will always be at the very bottom, and by that I mean the descendants of slaves, then there really can't be any real solidarity because what that means to the descendants of slaves and poor and working class black people is that the only way we can have a coalition or some type of solidarity is that we forego our request for justice. And it just, it just can't work. I remember you guys mentioned if the if the Green Party got 15% of vote, there was something different between if they got like 5% of the vote and 15% of the vote. Was 15, you're on the debate. If they got 15%. 15%, you're on the debate stage. 5%, you get federal funding. Okay. On the debate stage. Yep. So then, okay. Yeah. I I... I hear what you're saying. I mean, I, I think, you know, I always thought that I was so progressive in my mind, but I remember, I, I don't know. I, I feel like the vaccine thing, I, I thought about it. This is the first time I felt not pr privileged, like nervous. Yeah. Well, welcome to our world. And you know what? And I appreciate the candor, yeah. Natalie. And I, because here's the thing 
we all awaken to the realities of what this American life really is at different times, at different inflection points or what have you. But the important thing is that we do awaken. So it's not that, and I hope I don't come across as, you know, overly, you know, like brow beating or anything, but we're saying this is the reality of this plantation. And now, the, and, and I've said here before, the the um civil the civil war did not do so much as to free the slaves but to socialize the plantation so you know it's one of those <laughs> yeah. things so now that the plantation has been socialized and white people are starting to realize that what we've de- been dealing with for centuries is now reigning in their lives they're all upset and i understand it but i'm just like okay take a deep breath Wrap your mind around it, and then let's let's yeah. work out those rapports and those relations so that we can all move forward. Yeah, no, I I get it. And just so you know where I'm coming from, because I'm going to keep calling in on your show, um, you know, and maybe this is another. I don't know if it is a sign, of, but like money has never been my like. I've had enough to be okay, but it's never been like what's fueled my career or anything like that. So it's never felt like, you know, obviously like we get scared about not being able to take, pay the bills and like fix a bathroom that needs to be fixed. And, you know, but it, it's just not what motivates me. But the fear that I felt wasn't like, I've been like so privileged that I haven't, it's, it's the fear of like the freedom. I think that's kind of who I am. Like that feels very restrictive to me when I feel like, I don't know, just like that. Uh, you know what? Here, I'll give you an example. Like I got kicked out of Columbia <laughs> and I had 60 credits. Like they had to letting me get my master's and get my um, degree, but I got kicked out and I swear I got kicked out because I mean, at the end they, pretended that it was because I got a B minus and you needed to get a B on your core things. But that was going back to my first year. I got kicked out because I offended. I went against the establishment in some way. I like went head to head with a professor and it became awkward. And then I confronted her about some grade stuff. And the next thing you know, I'm, you know, they're looking back at my track record from my first year. And I was almost at the end of the program. I just like, I think I have a bit of an anti-establishment thing and I, and I feel this like new progressive Democrat. It, it's like suffocating to me. Like I hate it. I hate the Biden administration in a way that I spent all this time hating the Trump administration, but the Biden administration scares me more. It's something authoritative and I don't know. Well, one, the Biden administration is not progressive for one. Right, right. And 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 two, you said you got kicked out of Columbia. I just want to, you know, inform you, you walk through doors that most Americans will never get the opportunity to walk through in this country. Most Americans will never even get accepted into Columbia or can they afford to even get enough or get enough financial aid to attend Columbia University. So that's something to reflect on. And, you know, this is why tonight when I talked about the legacy admissions, you know, that story pissed me off so much because legacy admissions has been a problem for such a long time. And those commentators were acting like, oh, God, who knew about this? We knew about it for anybody who applied, went to college. We've all known about this. 
And the fact that they're acting like, oh, it's just an issue now. This has been an issue for a long time. This country, when it was colonized, this country was set up to benefit white men. And it's still that way today. And that's what people have to understand. It's not set up to benefit really women. Look at how they took away women's rights. Look at how they look at how we're going backwards. Look at how they took away like a woman's right to choose. It's not set up for women. It's not it's set up for white men where they can do what they want to do. And tomorrow night, when I talk about Sam Bankman Freed and what just happened with him, it just go to show you how as particularly, especially white men that have money, how they can just get away with bullshit. If you look at someone like Jeffrey Epstein, and this is why I continue to talk about developments of this story, the fact that Jeffrey Epstein has gotten away with what he got away with for so fucking long, that would have never happened if Jeffrey Epstein was a black man. <sighs> that would have never happened. And I go back to people like Jeffrey Dahmer. We go back to the Jeffrey Dahmer case. That shit would have never happened if Jeffrey Dahmer was a black man. He would have never gone on for as long as he did. And that's what people have to understand. This system, this country is not set up to benefit women. It's not set up to benefit marginalized groups is set up to benefit white men and let's be let's add some specificity to that because epstein was not just white he was a member of another group and they are a minority but they are an elite and enriched minority and they have power Mm -hmm. and voice have you guys touched on (laughs) the you know how the the conservative right um just the whole like sex track and and they're like the pedophilia ring and the is that is that like hinting toward is that the epstein's thing is that where that comes from like every conspiracy has a bit of truth is that what that's about you know i think elitist of all when people get excesses of money which translates to excesses of power and or freedom i think they get into all kind of freaky shit and i think there is no limit to what those people will do in aggregations because it's it's you know it's like we can do this because of what we have and who we are you know they get they had the prince in england and this and that so but this thing with pedophilia i think has been around for a very long time like the roman empire oh yes and i think (laughs) it it just is something that is unique not unique in terms of an interest but unique to the elite class because they have the power and the connections to protect themselves and that's why it goes on for so long and, you know, it never gets told and stuff like that because they have the connectivity and social capital to protect those rings and circles. Because mm-hmm. like we say, Epstein was caught and G- Giselle, um, Jelaine Maxwell, the black book them been had, but they sure ain't telling them names in that book article. No. Also, no. Sabrina... What you said about uh, Dahmer, uh, he wouldn't have been able to get away with it if he was black. He got away with it because he was killing blacks. And indigenous people. I should have said people of color. Yes. <sighs> but, but here's again, we had the um, imperialist killer here in Cleveland. 
and he was preying upon the most marginalized black women in terms of street workers and sex workers and you know addicted people and it went on for a while because no those people are disappeared when you are nobody and disappeared and made invisible in a society anybody can get away with doing anything for you for a long amount of time because society does not see you and when you go missing it's nothing it that matter. hits their register because they've disappeared you in the beginning now in terms of perpetrators yeah it, it it follows the social order so a rich white man can get away with things generally speaking longer than a poor black man but if they're all victimizing poor underprivileged sex workers addicted people they get away a little longer if the victims are black because nobody is caring when they're missing nobody knows when they're missing and when you go to the police and say this has happened to me as was the case for some of the women involved in the imperial avenue case people be like uh-huh yeah whatever they just don't care you know i'm having a similar situation because i have been the victim of a fraud and when i go forward to say i've been a victim of fraud and you know i'm an educated woman i have a master's degree but these people and when i tell you it has had a dramatic effect on me psychological psychologically because you don't know what life is like until you have just been so marginalized till no matter what you say to the elected officials People just keep on going, keep on, they ignore you. And there's this book that's out called Incommunicados, where Mm -hmm. they are speaking to that construct of elected officials and other um, people in high estate, just ignoring you. They just don't respond. But I feel like that's already happening with the media. Like, it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what evidence comes out. It's just nothing matters anymore. Fascism and authoritarianism that we have been chomping at the bit around this whole time. When it gets to that point where what you are saying or, or the whistleblowers, when we think of Julian Assange and, um, the the one in Russia, what is his name? Edward Snowden. Oh, when we yeah. think of these people who have blown the whistle, they are being destroyed. And so you can imagine on a low everyday working class level, if you come forward and say, oh, I saw the mayor doing this or they did this to me, they just ignore you. Because it's like, yeah. and, the, and, and to your point, Natalie, mm-hmm. this is specifically related to the collapse of the free and independent press because the people who are perpetrating these crimes against everyday working class people and whistleblowers they know that the corporate community has control over the communication process Mm -hmm. and they are not going to hear you because they are protecting the elite we see it but how much longer how much longer do we have until that disappears for even like these kind of shows like i think we're closer than any of us care to imagine i really that's do. what i do too and i feel it and i feel like i don't know and my i frankly don't know what germany east germany my mom grew up in communist poland and like i don't want to be like the way she is you know she's my dad's the rebel 
like you know the illegal, the criminal pretty much he didn't even finish high school and he just i don't think he's paid taxes in any country he's ever been to he just moves around all the time but my mom follows every single rule scared to death to you know not pay the phone bill on time like i just, I just between the surveillance and the um censoring I think it's already, if we don't come together and and arrest that situation, I think it's really too far gone. That's yeah. what, and you know, I'm almost 60, so I say, well, hell, by the time this thing really bears fruit, I'll probably be dead anyway. But <laughs> though that's a real threat. And the only reason we're starting to see things is because Elon Musk bought Twitter and he did allow them to look into what was going on. But that was based on really a type of partisan type thing because, you know, and we found out more about Trump because the Democrats were going after him. But if it be not for those inter-duopoly fights, all of this surveillance and and censoring was going on and we just didn't know. Yeah. No, that's true. Okay, Natalie, I want to make sure I bring in other people. Yeah, of course. Sorry. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> All right, Jared, since I already uh, spoke to you, I'm going to go to uh, Stephen, and then we'll go up to Jonathan and then Case. Uh, what's going on, Stephen? Just got to unmute. Well, am I unmuted? Yeah, I can hear you. Well, Savvy, I know you're um, in your early 30s. And um, today is my 67th birthday. <gasps> well, happy birthday. Yes, I'm not kidding. And right. I, and yes. Were you Leo? Yes. <laughs> I don't believe in that stuff, but whatever. But I will happy tell birthday. you this. Um. I am not uh, a member of the Revolutionary Blackout Network, okay? <laughs> and and because uh, I might be a little white, but that's not – I'm not a socialist or a capitalist. But the reason why I listen to you and Nick and uh, Roger, okay, I'm always open to ideas. I'm not saying they're good ideas. I'm not saying they're bad ideas, but I'll tell you what. I just, you know what really, I, I hope you don't think I'm screwed up, but I've been watching your videos. And then after like two, three, four videos, you said, well, I was an educator and I'm looking at you. I mean, you are such a damn teacher. You know what I mean? You have the voice. You have the look. You're trying to teach people. And I loved it. Okay, you got that? Got it. You know what I'm saying? It's just like I didn't want to sit there. So anyway, um, uh, I know about RFKJ, and uh, I'm supporting him. And you know what? If he doesn't make it, I'm going to support Cornell West, okay? I mean, um, he may not be the best, but or RFKJ, 
because of the Jew thing. But the bottom line is, is uh, uh, I, I think it was you. Actually, it was you that says, hey. I like that you were straightforward. Why are, why are you, uh, why does everybody say that you're wasting your vote or wasting your energies for non-duopoly players? And I'm like, you're right. You got to fight. I mean, you know, you got to fight. So anyway, um, I just um, thank you and uh, keep it going, kiddo. I, I just, I just, no, I'm not kidding. Just keep it going. You, you got it. I, I don't agree with a lot of, not a lot, but I, I don't agree with uh, some of it. 50-50. But I do love the fact that you're putting it out there. And actually that uh, Noel and Roger, too. So have a good day. I'll I'll go back off. Because I like that he was up front about it and won't wavering in who he likes. <laughs> the fact that it sounds like he was having a real good time on his birthday from the way it sounded like. Happy birthday, Stephen. Yay! Awesome. Okay, let's bring in Jonathan. I know you've been waiting. Just gotta unmute, and then we'll go to Case. Good evening, everyone. Hey, Sabby. Um, speaking of having a good time, I'm gonna mention something that I was going to talk about last week, but I just I didn't feel like um, jumping on. But um, I'm gonna admit something to you guys, and please don't judge me. But I have to say this. And it's a little bit off topic. It connects to what she talked about last week and probably the week before that, Sabby. Unfortunately, I saw the Hunter Biden sex tapes. <gasps> yes. Scandalous. <laughs> <laughs> it looks as bad as people said it. I something told me don't don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And I and I. And I and I and I regret seeing it. It's something I thankfully I can't unsee. So for those who did not see it and don't want to see, I'll I'll just I'll sum it up in three different sections. Um, a lot of crack, a lot of it. Actually, World Star Hip Hop did a better compilation than I could ever imagine. So a lot of crack, um, hand jobs and foot jobs. That's all it is. So foot jobs? Foot yes, foot jobs. What does that mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> somebody taking their somebody <laughs> taking their feet and rubbing it against um by uh, Hunter's um man part. What? Okay. Yes. I don't I don't want to think about it. Yeah, that's what it that's all it that's what he's in. I mean, I mean, if that's your thing, that's your thing. I'm not knocking it. I just thought it was like peculiar you know? because these women were willing to do any and everything with him, and he was more concerned about having their feet rubbed up against his, you know what, and of course the crack. That was like I, I thought he was going to hit the girl because she couldn't light the crack pipe correctly in the shower, mind you. <laughs> I told you it was really bad. I was like, yeah, and he looked a mess. 
he looked he looked like an addict. He looked like an addict in that video. I don't know. Just like with Joe Biden when they clean him up and you know they they give him his um his geritol or his B a vitamin B12 shot or whatever they give him, his Adderall, and he's all you know, not sleepy Joe. Same thing with Hunter. They cleaned him up really good, but in those videos he looks like a straight up addict. Hey hey Jonathan, is it true that he was having sex with his niece? Uh, that I don't know, and that was in the video. What was in the video that they were um they were sex workers, and which okay. I, I, I'm not against. Um, how oh, but however, Ashura, I got kind of curious. I said, well, let me Wikipedia these these Bidens. Um, Hunter is a first of all, his name is not Hunter. His name is Robert. Um, but he's a yes. <laughs> That's for one. His Hunter's is Hunter's is middle name because Hunter's is his mother's maiden name. So, yeah, it, they're, they're strange people because I kind of, I maybe this was a thing, but I didn't pay attention to it. You know, his, he was always in the shadow of his brother, Bo. I will, the only type of sympathy I might have for Hunter a little bit is I think he might be using to cope with the death of his mother. Because, you know, him and his brother and his sister, his sister that died, was in the car, the same car that his mother died in, the car accident. Right. Um, right. So I'll give him a little, a, a smidge, but not a lot. Um, but this is the weird okay. thing. So I'm just, you know, Wikipedia my thing. I'm looking up Hunter Biden, Bo Biden, and put it in the um, in Wikipedia. Of course, is is I I've looked to the source of him. It was true. Bo died in 2016. A year later, I lied to y'all not. Some of y'all probably know this. Bo's widow, widow started dating Hunter. Yeah. I, know that. I know this. I didn't know that. And he was still legally married to his wife at the time. They were separated, but they were still legally married. I didn't know I, I didn't know this was a thing. I'm like, wow, these Bidens are a trip. So Biden, uh, Biden, Hunter has had all the privilege in the world that you can imagine. And, and I did not and I, I apologize, Sabi. I did not see your um, coverage that you did on Tuesday about Joe Biden, but um, I will watch it, of course. But um, I will say, with Hunter, it's it's not looking good. Um, is anything going to happen to him? No, probably the same reason, same way that nothing's going to happen to Carly Russell. But that's a whole other issue that Sabi did never talked about. But I, I pretty much think I know why because everyone's talking about it. Oh, yeah, everybody Sabi. talked about it, and that whole situation just drove me crazy. <laughs> that and, um, what else happened? Oh, oh, God, I don't want to talk about that. Look, who's uh, somebody wrestling? Yeah, are you serious? Hmm? I saw are you something. Are serious, about... Roger? Yes, I'm dead serious. <laughs> Carly Russell is the woman who said she was kidnapped, and she broke free. Oh, her! Oh, that's her yeah. name? Oh, okay. Got yeah. She wasn't Alabama. Yeah. We used to call, call, we used to call her um, Carly Smoothier, but we had to stop calling her that because she actually admitted to doing it. Um, one thing that I do want to talk about on topic of what you said tonight, Savvy, and this is where I get a little irritated. Um, I'm going to talk specifically about um, when... Yeah, RFK was with um, Rabbi, what's his name? Shmuley. 
Shirley, thank you. Rabbi Shirley. I was about to say Rabbi Herschel. I'm like, no, that's somebody else. Um, I noticed that when you had on the, your guests today that they had all the smoke today. They, they, and they did pretty good. They did really good. I, I really enjoyed that they um, were able to get their point across. And, the, and unfortunately, the, the, unfortunately, they might be blacklisted, which is horrible. But one thing that got under my skin is that you had mentioned at the towards the end about the um, uh, Ethiopian Jews. Exactly. Now, and they were quiet as you mice. That, girl, I said, "Fuck you." <laughs> I said, "Quiet as steel mice." This is why, Noel. This is why I respectfully, I cannot. This is why when people talk about race and racism, and I, I understand that. You know, in the American context that Jewish people, now Jewish people are seen as white people. Whenever I experienced racism, particularly in the education system, it came from Jewish people. They don't see themselves as us. So when we get into this whole argument of, like you said earlier, like, oh, black people, we need to, um, you didn't say this directly, but you were talking about um, standing in solidarity with um, Jewish people. And I'm like, okay, it sounded good when you said it at that moment, Stabby. But when when you brought the black the Ethiopian Jews and they were quiet, I'm like, see, this is why we black people say fuck you. Respectfully, you don't want to stand up when we you always ask us to stand in solidarity for you. But when it comes to us, it's like, oh, I have nothing. And to say. I mean, like, they were so it was, quiet. It was it just stood out. It did because that uh, Sabby Sabby said her piece, and then they're like, mm, mm. I'm like, mm, what the fuck? This supposed to mean? Mm. So I. That's why I, uh, before black people, before we do, and Noel, of course, I'd love to hear what you got to say about this. Before black people stand in solidarity with any other group, we, they need to stand in solidarity with us first, because we are always the ones who are always on the front, front line saying, okay, we stand with solidarity with this person, that person. We even talk, as, um, and, um, Noel, we can definitely talk about, and I know I talk about the racism within the LGBTQ plus community. Like, before we talk about, uh, like the whole issue with Jazz Hilarious. That's coming from the white mainstream. That's not coming from the black because you see our black trans right. who are speaking out and say, no, you're getting this all mixed up. We have nothing about the the pronouns and not the pronouns, the, the technical terms. That's not us. We're fighting a whole different fight. So your issue's not with us. Speaking from, you know, those who mm-hmm. like T.S. Madison, Madison and um, Laverne Cox. Right. Yeah, I was going to say um, that's something Afini has spoken about multiple times. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, what specifically? Jonathan. I said two things. I apologize. I think oh. he's talking to you. Oh, yeah, Sabrina. What, oh. what specifically has um, Afini talked about? There's a club apparently in D.C. I don't remember the name of it, but it's an LGBTQ club. And Afini said she was talking about this at the time about the racism that was happening at that club towards like black LGBTQ community members. Uh, She talked about it before, like on RBN and stuff like that, but also in private, like she talked about this before that like the way they treated the black LGBTQ people versus the white people, it was very different. And she's not the only one I've heard that from. Yeah, and and um, also I, when I lived in Philadelphia, the, there was a club. I've got the name of the club. It wasn't Woody's. It was another club where the um, club owner, you no, know, there were 
there were always accusations of racism. And then it later leaked out that there was a video of him using the N-word. And all of a sudden, there was this protest for them to stop using the club. And then a week later, I think 50 Cent was there. It was really, really weird. But um, yes, absolutely. But what would you say about what I said concerning the fact that you brought up the Ethiopian Jews and that our white Jewish brothers and sisters are all of a sudden they're silent. They have nothing to say. It was like, like, like Noel said, it was like crickets. All I heard was, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm like, what the fuck? Because so, people don't know about it. I'm talking about them um, specifically, those two that you brought on. They, they, they honestly, they may not know about it. I'm trying to tell you guys, like most people don't know. And honestly, had it not been for Mint Press News, like calling that shit out, I probably wouldn't have known about it either. And I've interviewed people from Ethiopia multiple times. And respectfully, it didn't come across like they didn't know. It sounds like they didn't care because for the way they reacted, it was like, mm-hmm, yeah, I, I know about it. But it was like, OK, you was giving them the opportunity to say something and they wouldn't say anything. Well, I've known mm-hmm. about the Ethiopian Jews because I listen to Professor Black Truth. He brings them up every time. He likes to call out the Israel's racism against them and the black community. So why is it that, so I would say to your guests, why is it that you want us as black people to stand there with you, but you don't want to stand solid there with us and you don't know any, you know there's something going on with the Ethiopian Jews, but you're mute about it. That does not sit well with me, personally. Oh, by the way, I didn't see that interview. I came at the end, Sabi. Were they, are they pro-Palestinian? Savvy, we can't hear you. Oh, sorry. I was on mute. Yeah, that is the um, the Bronx Anti-War Coalition. They're part of the Green Party. Yeah. Okay, they're so they're protesting this AOC when she was trying to recruit kids at the high school. Those are the same people. And it got the high school wrong, but that was a whole different... <laughs> Like, I actually, well, tomorrow's my last day, but my school, I just realized that it's actually where I work, where I'm no longer working at. It's actually about five minutes from the school. I passed it like several times. So, yeah, it wasn't one school. It's it's a building with multiple schools, which is pretty big. I thought you quit already. I did not. Oh, I stayed for summer school. Okay. I thought you had already quit when you said you were going to quit. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't renew my. I didn't renew my contract. So tomorrow's my tomorrow's my last official day um, there, as as being well. I don't. Get, I get paid next month. That's my last paycheck. But um, I did summer school though for three weeks. Jonathan, um, who who? Uh, tell me the whole thing with the Jesse Lee hilarious thing. I think she was fighting with Ole or something. I don't know what was going on because I I don't really like see these little Twitter battles or whatever, but... Uh, it's, it's, a clip, it's a clip going out there where she's talking about how trans she, trans women will never be women because they don't bleed. They're the ones that basically come from women, so basically stop trying to be women, that kind of stuff. That was the, that was the gist of it. And a lot of people basically were defending her, even Black Comedy black comedy News or Black Hot Comedy, I forgot what it was called. They were defending her too. Yeah, black hype comedy or some shit like that. They no, were defending. It's just, it's, just com- it's just comedy hype. It's black people, but it's called comedy hype because okay, they actually yeah. bought in. I didn't see their clips because they're they 
they bought, I believe they bought on T.S. Madison because Pierre, one of the hosts, he's actually friends with um, T.S. Madison. So I think that they bought her in um, later on, but I haven't watched the clips because they are not, some of them are, half the, half of the, half of the people are for LGBTQ, some, the other half are not. Like, do you watch it, Laura? Yeah, I watch it every now and then, but but, okay. but I was surprised they she, they had a new host. I was like, why happened to the other girl? Did she get fired or something? Which one are you talking about? Braids, black girl with tan skin. You're talking about Rita, uh, Vanessa Fraction. I never knew what her name was, but she was always uh, the, the 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 usual co-host. This one's different. No, usually the co-host should, should be Sim, uh, Symphony. She's the host. Okay. I, I didn't see her on that on this recent one. Okay, I, I'll I'll look at it. But um, the thing with Jess Hilarious is, in case people don't know who she is, she's a she's an internet comedian. She did a couple. She did this um, sitcom with Little Harrell, Little Ray. No, Little what's his name? Little, I forgot his name. He was on. Um, he's been in a couple movies. Short guy. Uh, doesn't he's not funny at all, but anyway, she is an internet comedian, she's not a stand up comedian, so she gets her 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 comedic stripes from being on internet, and also she did um Wild and Out. Um, the thing with Jazz Hilarious is that if you've never seen her or heard her or seen her mannerisms, she's very, very masculine. She's a She's been accused several times of being trans. That's why she attacks the trans community. Because people have DM'd her, thinking that she's trans, trying to preposition her for sex. And she's very, like I said, she's very masculine, in my opinion. And in a lot of people's opinion, and she's not aesthetically like, she's not aesthetically feminine. So when you look at her, she has a very rough face, in my opinion. So like her, who gets accused of being a trans woman, she to her is upsetting because she is she was born a woman, but like I said, she's very rough. She she talks almost like a stereotypical black man. I'm sorry, she just does, and no one doesn't argue that. And I'm pretty sure that she she probably understands that too because she's quote unquote from Baltimore. But the reason why she attacks them is because of her own personal insecurities, which I believe it was T.S. Madison. No, I think it was T.S. Madison. Who brought that up? Like, listen, you're dealing with your own, your personal insecurities in a in a wrong way. If you feel this triggered about trans women, that's your problem, that's your issue. But don't put everything that you hear in um, the ethos about. It was almost honestly what Jasleris was saying was kind of akin to what um, Anna Kasparian was saying. And because of that, you're causing this whole rift, not only with black people. But there's even infighting in the trans community, if I'm not mistaken. But and I don't understand. What does this mm -hmm. have to do with? I don't know who Jess is. She's a comedian. I'll probably and, send you the clip. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who that is. But what's this have to do with Olay? I'm confused. That's well, why I'm confused. I don't remember Olay yeah, being part you of know, Olay is about that identity politics shit. So I think Nick brought it up at one point. <laughs> Nick and CJ were talking and they brought it up. They said that she's against Cornell. She's okay with like Democrats doing shit, but don't talk shit about the LGBT community. That's when she's really going to come out your ass. So because she said something about LGBTQ, Olay went after her. 
But you know, I think one of the saddest features of this whole American society is the way it is built out of marginalizing and beating up on and putting down other people. It's like the whole social structure and the social pyramid here is based on stepping on somebody else or putting somebody else down for social credit. And if my existence as a woman triggers someone else, uh, like you say, that's their problem. You know, and this whole reductionist thing about, oh, only women bleed, all women don't have cycles, all women don't have babies, this, that, and a third. And so the issue becomes how I exist in the world. And for me, it is restricted with respect to the rest of the world in terms of what our interactions are. So... It, as long as I come into your restaurant, your store, your hospital, your doctor's office, and you refer to me based on the physical cues as what I need to be called, it doesn't matter what's going on beneath my clothing and this, that, and a third, because you you don't know. And so why would you try and frame it otherwise? Because in terms of our social interactions, it only matters on a deeper level than that with the person with whom I'm being intimate. But in terms of moving into the public square, all you see is this gorgeous girl. And so that's what it is. I don't think it needs to go further than that. But people are so have such a need to put some other group down to be, you know, trans exclusionary feminist and all this. And I'm like, child, the truly elite could care less about all that because they're, they have the power and the money to do whatever they want to do, including pedophilia and this and that. It's only at these low levels where you get that low type of behavior because they need to put somebody's face in the dirt in order to feel like they're standing a little bit taller. But frankly, I don't dial into it. I don't necessarily live my life through an LGBTQ prism thing. But what I will say through the experience that I've had in this legal situation is there is no LGBTQ plus community where I live. You can throw the alphabet together and call it a community, but what it really is, is the major cis heteronormative society othering everybody else and saying, just like, you know, people of color is really what they're saying is you're non-black. When you say LGBTQIA, those, all of those letters are distinct, you know, identity or gender identity or sexual features. And you just can't throw them all together and think it makes community. Because at the end of the day, white people going to be white first. And I've come to understand that there is this... Um, dynamic between cis heterosexual lesbian women and women of trans experience and that's some stuff that I didn't even really know existed because I don't move in those circles but now I'm starting to understand it because I needed assistance but when you reach out for help that's when you realize child those people could care less about yeah that's a good point let's bring in um 
Jared, I want to bring in Jared and then go to uh, Case. So Jared, you just got to unmute. Hey, how y'all doing? Um, now, I definitely did notice that uh, when the Ethiopian Jews uh, were brought up, that it was like dead silence. And I was like, hmm. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but one thing that I wanted to Thank say, you, and I know that. Oh, yeah, no, no problem. I know that um, even though, you know, we're saying that things are moving toward a fascist state and everything like that, um, you know, I'm not, well, I, I'm not going to say I'm not scared, but I'm not frightened for a world. I guess just because, you know, I am black and, you know, I guess I've just been living like this forever. So it's like, I mean, I I'm pr- definitely haven't seen the worst of the worst, but I think that, you know, my grandparents definitely grew up in like a, I, I would say that they grew up in a fascist state as far as like um, apartheid and things like that, you know, in this country. Um, but it does give me faith that there are 50 million, you know, black people in this country. I think the median age is like 33 or something like that. So, uh, you know, things get fascist. It's going to be it's going to be a hell of a fight. So, you know, what I'm saying <laughs> I'm not too worried. But, um, you know, like I was saying, so, well, you know, I definitely think that there is an opportunity for things to turn around. And I really do think that. Um, most of these things are going to come down to like how the foreign, um, how America moves foreignly and how these countries are perceiving America because more and more countries are, you know, you know, they poking it, you know, for lack of better terms, they're like poking their chest out and everything. And, um, you know, I think that they wholeheartedly have the right to, I think that America eventually, if the world survives, that America eventually will have to come around and start, you know, I'm not going to say playing nice, but we'll, um, you know, have to make some um, concessions, you know, like some concessions will have to be made. So, you know, that's my plan, but I'm going to land it there, y'all. Interesting. Okay, let's go to Case. Hey, yo, yo, what's going on, everybody? Much love to everybody. Can you hear me? Just want to make sure. We can hear you. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm so glad you guys touched on that Hunter Biden thing, because that's one of the things that I was going to bring up on my mind about how he messed with his his uh brother's widowed wife like i'm surprised fox News don't hammer on that more or that people don't hammer on that more because that's it's pretty insane to me and also um to jonathan with all the mainstream media i watch and people talk about hey i don't know how you do it you couldn't pay me a million dollars to watch the hunter biden sex tape there's no <laughs> There's no way of watching foot jobs, hand jobs, all them jobs. Nah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> um, and, and then what else I want to talk about? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, can you guys believe we're about to have an 80? Oh, not we about to, but we already have a president that's like 80 years, that's 80 years old. Is that how old the Biden is? It's like literally having a keeper. Then you have the turtle out here to stop talking in the middle of a press conference. And then we got Diane <laughs> Frank. What's going on in this country, y'all? Mm-hmm. You know, so sad. You know how we talk about talk about a long time ago about people that we find attractive and all that stuff. Blah, blah. You know who's really attractive, and I never it never crossed my mind. And he's he's to me he's a very handsome guy. He's never never wavered from that. Is Geraldo Rivera, and he turned eighty years old. I'm like, he's eighty, but he doesn't look it. Nor does he act. Yeah. Joe Power Biden, model. And he, I thought it was huh? 60. Would you say? Victoria, would you say? I think she said Autumn. Those power she said Autumn. 
I don't about him. You know, I'm I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Wow. But yeah, I was looking at him. I lost my train of thought. You made me sick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking up this guy's age now, because I'm like, I don't believe he's 80. Let me see. Eight. Oh, yeah, he's he said, 80 years old. Wow. He's 80. He said he I was watching him on the view. I mean, I watched a clip of the view. I didn't watch the view. And he said, mm. I just turned 80. I'm like, you're wow. 80? Damn, yeah, it looks good for his age. I'm I need to find out what vitamins he's taking, yo, for real. Yeah, and I, Joe Biden is 80, and he just not there, and I, it's like, I, I don't understand. We're we doing two different types of 80s, so. It's, it's, did you see the video where it, they had that party at the White House, and I think Jimmy showed it, or it could have been where you got Joe Biden and Jill Biden, they, they're basically at the White House where there's a party going on. And you see Hunter Biden behind them. Look like he sniffed some coke or some shit. But look at Jill Biden's face. She's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Get the fuck away from me or some shit. Like, <laughs> she basically knows the family's fucked up. And she's stuck in there. There's nothing she can do. Jonathan, I think it's his, I think it's his genes since he's uh, Puerto Rican. Maybe that could be it. But before um, I jump out, I just want to let everybody know that I'm going to be doing the first workshop this Saturday at 10 a.m. We're going to I'm going to be discussing uh, labor strategies. That's what I'm going to be going into. And um, I'm hard at work prepping the, the PowerPoint. You know, I like to come with my PowerPoint slides. So um, I hope you all could come out and check it out. Start off the, the labor summit with case um, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, the first workshop this Saturday. Is it um case? Is it Yay. gonna be in Jersey? It's online. I, yeah, it's online. It's okay. Jersey. Well, but, no, I was gonna ask you that those in person because I, I, you know, I live in Jersey. So. Oh, oh, you live in Jersey? Well, you know, somebody um reached out to me from the Green Party. They when they saw me at that reimagining um safety event, and they say they want to work on a left conference for 2024. So look out for that. I had a meeting with them at my library with a person, and we're going to be um, working on a left conference. You guys heard of Politicon, you know, and, and heard of different conferences. This is going to be in person. So I would love to meet you all or start um, saving the money now for next year to travel to New Jersey. I'm definitely going to um, hit up Sabrina when the time is right to invite her, especially, and, and I'm trying to get all my leftist friends to come through and we could all meet each other in person and congregate and, and learn from each other and strategy. Well, congratulations, Case. Sabrina, take a plane to Case out here doing the thing, you guys. Oh, by the way, I let the I let the clip in the chat, Sabrina, the Jesse hilarious clip you wanted. I just left it in the chat and apparently we got a NAFO troll in the chat. Um, let me see. I don't see. Oh, I see it. Okay, okay, I got it. And I have one question Is it um, true that um, Robert, um, father and uncle dog fucked the hell out of um, what's her name, Marilyn Monroe? Is that true? Yes, yeah, what? Who's Robert? Sabrina, you didn't know about. I, you didn't know that they was banging Robert, uh, uncle, Monroe? and father was banging Marilyn Monroe. I knew JFK was. Yeah, I knew um, JFK was. I wanted to know, was it true? 
Yeah, JFK. Yeah. Uh, RFK too. Oh, I know well, RFK. I knew JFK was true. RFK, RFK was 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 uh what what so what so Jonathan was just talking about when Bo died, kind of started messing with Bo's widow. The same thing happened with with RFK messing with with Jacqueline. That's 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 you know not news also. Messing with Jacqueline? What? Wait, what? Who was Jacqueline? Bro, Jacqueline. Kennedy. Yeah, when JFK was killed, when JFK was killed, I mean, uh-huh. that's, you know, he was messing with with uh, with with Jacqueline, Jackie, <laughs> while he was that? married to Ethel. Who told that's you that? That's public knowledge. That's public no. knowledge. Yes, that is. Where does this come from? Who was the one that killed that? Um, that had a car accident. Who was the one that killed her and then became? Was it um his father? No, Ted Kennedy was the the one. He didn't kill her. He killed the woman that he killed was working on his campaign at the time when he was about to run for president the first time, and he was drinking and driving. He was drinking while he was driving the car. He was already drunk when he got in the car. She was in the passenger seat. He accidentally drove into a lake and he left her there, went back to the house to party. And instead of calling the police or ambulance or anything, he left her there in the lake trapped in the car. Now, here's the thing. The next morning, when that car was pulled out of the lake, come to find out she didn't die from drowning. She died from suffocation, which meant that if he would have called the ambulance, her life actually would have been saved. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yes. Oh, and by the way, he went on to run for president anyway, uh, later on against Jimmy Carter and he lost. um, But like I said, like the Kennedys get away with Also, I want to answer a question that you had. Um, one of our questions for me, Barbara. You said, um, why is it that when these, um, when Trump went to different churches, um, black churches, he, um, he didn't have to change his rhetoric? Because when you're dealing with the black church, especially the black conservative church, you're dealing with a whole different type of Negroes. You're not dealing with people who are race conscious first, they're Christian conscious first. So their thing is like as long as you're anti-LGBTQ and anti anti-choice, everything else doesn't matter. Race doesn't matter. A lot of churches did not start talking about race. Well, they will only talk about race when it becomes popular. So Trayvon Martin, George Floyd, Breonna, um, Breonna Taylor. After that, you don't hear them talking about race too much. They won't discuss race. And and it connects to what um to what Noel said, it's the othering. It's the, because there is a form of Christian supremacy that exists in the black church. That because I'm a child of the king, take me to the king, I'm a child of God, that I'm better than you, that I'm, I'm as we used to say when I was in church, but we are joint heirs of Christ, um, seated in the heavenly places. That's what we used to say when I was in the word of faith. Yes, honey. So, <laughs> saved and wait, yes, see, saved I, I, and I, sanctified. Preach. Preach. Girl, stop. Listen, you may take the boy out of the church. You can't take the church out of the boy. I still got the Holy Ghost. Fuck that. 
But um, so so when you're dealing with those type of people, that's why they can go in the to church and not change their rhetoric. That's why. And like Noel said, it's the othering. It's the I feel I am more superior than you. I'm better. Than you. Oh, also, oh, this is what I want to say. Also, also, when marriage equality passed, excuse me, when you had other issues like voter rights, um, even um, what's that thing you just covered? Um, college admissions, affirmative action. That's it. Affirmative action. Most of the people on my Facebook page are. Christians, because I either know them through church or I grew up with them and I grew up in a very religious community. When it came to that, nothing was said. But when Dion, I blocked all them. It was. <laughs> I hate you, Dion. I hate you, sorry. I hate you because you're so right. Um, when marriage equality passed, oh my God, it was like God's word still stands. The Bible's still true. God said, that's what it, we believe the Bible. And I'm like, what, 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 okay. And then, like, I, my pastor at the time, unfortunately, when marriage equality passed that following Sunday, I had to go to church because they were honoring the graduates, and I just got my degree, and I was like, okay. And I thought that my pastor would be smart enough not to bring it up, but he didn't. He quoted John Roberts when John Roberts said, basically, oh, okay, if we allow this, then we, will, we can allow polygamy, uh, bestiality, all that. But it's like, okay, if you're going to quote John Roberts, also quote Clarence Thomas, who said, slaves have their dignity too. So you, th these people, they, for them, race is not a thing. They believe, that, they believe that we should be colorblind. We're all God's children. Not every black church is like a um, Jeremiah Wright. Not every, most of them are more like, there's more like Creflo Dollar, T.D. Jakes. And I love T.D. Jakes, but that's for a whole different reason. But those type of pastors, you're not dealing with a pro-black pastor. You're dealing with God, God wants you with, God, God wants you wealthy. We're, we're all the, the same. prosperity gospels. Yeah. But you know, a lot of these churches, the smaller, what I consider more primitive churches, they thrive on the othering because that's what they use to make their very marginalized flocks feel like they are somehow above somebody yes, else. But let me tighten somebody up down there in that chat in terms of um, trans women can't have babies. First of all, having babies is a feature of a biologic thing. It has nothing to do with the construct of womanhood. And there happen to be women who are biologically born female who can't have babies. But that does not infringe upon their womanhood, nor that it's infringe upon mine. And in the final note, let me say this. I define me, you define you. If your womanhood is defined upon you having a baby, then that's cool for you. My womanhood is not infringed or marginalized based on my inability to have a baby. So let's be clear with this and no disrespect either. Right. Not all women can have kids. I mean, like, it's just, but again, that goes back to the role of what people think a woman's role is. And then, but the question is, that. who needs you to define me? You know, if you mm -hmm. want to have an abortion, have it. If you want to have a baby, have it. But I'm not trying to define your decisions or who you identify as. So I don't need you to identify for me. All you need to do is respect who I am when I come through the door for business. You can have your personal opinions and I celebrate whatever they are because I don't need to know what they are. 
All I need to do is when I enter the public forum and the public square, I needed to be treated with the same dignity and respect as anybody else, religion notwithstanding, or your personal views notwithstanding. Yep. There you go. There you I go. I did see the um, whole Jess T.S. Madison, and it was one unknown trans woman um, that came out and said periods. Like, I didn't understand when she was saying it either, but when we all look back, well, when I look through everything, I got what the lady was saying because I got what the trans woman was saying because she said, well, I didn't really agree with most of it, but because people do forget about trans men and they do, some of them still do have periods. Yeah, why is the conversation always around trans women and not trans women? That's a, that's a good question. And the other thing too, that some people may not realize, not all, you know, biological women have a period either you know it's um, that was a, and that was the point that the um i don't know her name either she that was the point that the unknown trans woman was saying i i don't know her name i think she's i think she's someone with an, an activist she was saying basically that you that well she was saying that you don't own womanhood because you were born a woman and i understood her point well first of all i understood both i understood both sides i understood how um women uh cisgendered women could be offended by that i understand that yeah. but i just wish she would have phrased it differently yeah yeah i agree with but um do y'all know who um hope do y'all know who hope giselle is that's her name that's her name yes i um not the unknown but hope giselle i like how she broke it down because she about the trans men because she said you don't hardly see them fighting but when they ready to go on red carpets and stuff they dare to be found but when the trans women is up fighting for their rights they want to live their life like don't want to be out or whatever if i'm not mistaken trans men are more socially accepted than trans women i if i could I think a part of the problem is, you know, with trans men, they're not threatening to cis heteronormative men because generally they may be smaller in stature. They may have more rounded frames or this or that. And so they are no threat to cis um, heteronormative men's masculinity. They can't compete with them athletically. And I don't necessarily agree with, you know, trans and non-trans people competing on an equal basis because there may be some biological differences that could translate into advantages. But the point is, I think the, the issue with trans women is some trans women are just really gorgeous and people get undone and black women or women in general who may be insecure with their look may be, you know, feel a certain kind of way because this person comes in and people are thinking they're beautiful. And so it's more of a threat. And then women in this society are made to be more catty and competitive on every basis anyway. But my thing is, this is just like, you know, race and people of color. If I am a descendant of slave black, that has nothing to do with an African you know, immigrants black. We're both black, but we're different kinds of black. And how I understand my blackness does not deter or diminish your blackness. It's just different. And so I feel the same way 
about because it's a social construct. It's not rooted in anything other than the roles in society and how you understand yourself and how you move through the society. And as far as the rest of the society goes, that's as far as you need to process it. You don't need to go any deeper than that, because if the Constitution is securing all of our rights, then and you believe that everybody has equal rights, then we got equal rights. And I don't care if you're a turf or this or that. I don't even need to know. I just need to know when I come in that store and buy whatever, whatever I buy, you treat me with respect. I treat you with respect. I don't need to know all that other stuff about you. And how you define yourself does not have any impact on me. So, you yeah. know, I just, to me, it's really such a, a superficial issue. And it's all about, as Jonathan says, the othering. We feel the need to other this, that, and a third. You know, it's, oh. This is the last it's thing I understand to- on the issue is that it's all about, to me, I feel like it's all, I love everybody and I understand a lot of people don't have to like everybody, but the bigger picture is all about respect. And I understand that some, I ain't going to say all, some women do feel under attack because of what the government is doing. But I feel like it's a lot of big corporations coming in, talking about this bonus hole shit, calling women a bonus hole and chest feeders. I'm like, who the fuck is, ain't nobody in their everyday life talking about this shit. It's this new fangle shit going on. And it's like these corporations trying to cash in. And I think they try to keep dividing trans women and women. And just I just feel like they have a heavy hand to keep us divided, fighting against each other instead of going after their ass. I agree. And I didn't want to bring up the who's um, terminology, but yeah, I heard that too. And not only just to divide, you know, people in the trans community, but also to divide black people. Because as Savvy said, when it comes to um, to the economics, black people are generally liberal. But when it comes to the social issues, they are conservative. There are people who, <laughs> somebody actually defended, <laughs> defended, um, what's that boy's name? Not his name. Um, what's that girl's name again? Dang, dang, dang. Oh, my God. She's not coming to mind. Kiki. Kiki Palmer's baby daddy talking about there's nothing wrong with what he said. I'm like. There may not be nothing wrong with what he said, but he was the wrong person to say it. So I'm saying to say that people, when it comes to the social issues, black people are like, they don't see. One thing that I don't like about the black community when it comes to um, LGBTQ people in general, whether you want to be part of that community or well, you don't define that community or not, whether you define yourself or not, there's this dehumanization of people who are not in the status quo, that are not um, on the spectrum of 100% heterosexual, masculine, or feminine, um, or if you identify, you identify with, with the gender that you're that you were born to. Is this whole that if you're not like this, then you can't be a part of us? I feel like, and we, mm-hmm. I feel like the reason. I feel like the reason why a lot of um, the black trans women and black women um, go with it like it, because let's be honest, trans women and black women is the bottom of the barrel in America. And that's the truth. And I feel like women and trans women fight among 
ourselves a lot because we the bottom of the barrel in America. Yes, Notori, and nobody wants to be at the very bottom. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> biologic women feel like, ooh, here come these trans women. We better make sure they at the very bottom in the dirt. And that's why I always say the best perspective on this country is from the bottom up because you get to see all the strata and infrastructure above you. But I understand clearly that's what that is. And, you know, but hey, I'm like, get past it. I understand it. But should we really, do we really have the wherewithal? Can we really afford to be at each other's throats over some mess like this? I just think it's so reductive and it's so sad. But, you know, fortunately, you know, I move in circles with women and there is no issue about who I am. And so it's okay. But I do understand that there is a broader issue out there where people are having all kind of issues and it breaks my heart because it just doesn't need, we cannot other each other into the dirt. You know, some we cannot afford to other each they, other. Some of us might get so, it, but John, that's what they do. They throw red meat. They throw red meat out there to the people that don't get it and try to make it confusing. Because I know a lot of people, uh, some people get it, but a lot of them don't. And they look at the easy way just to, you know, just to keep it arguing. But the the biggest thing is just go after the rich because that's what they doing. If you look at this shit. Basically, it's coming down from corporations. They trying to capitalize on shit. They trying to make new terms and all the shit. It's just yep. Jo Jonathan, I wanted to ask because uh, you mentioned about uh, church churches before. So I remember um, there's a church that my sister goes to when I was a kid, and I was forced to go to church. They pass the plate around. You put your little money in it. So didn't go to that church for decades. I went to that church once. This time they made it like an auction. They locked the doors. The the pastor's son, who has his own church somewhere else, Amityville, I think. He was up there trying to <laughs> he 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 was making people come up and put money in and and advertising uh the people who would put like a hundred dollars in and and like if you got up to go to the bathroom he tried to shame you or whatever the case is i think that is time that we end tax exemption for these for, for these religious institutions and i think that the congregation i think that's no who's the people that go to church is that the congregation or whoever the people that go to church right i think they need to start demanding to see those books where that money is going to. Okay. Cause you've seen these people, they riding in Mercedes Benz and all different types, got all different types of jewelry and fancy clothing. And, and it's like, man, you guys just keep giving this guy your last earned dollar or whatever the case is. And they never seen, I mean, if they were, if they was, but there's just too much trusting going on. I mean, if, if they was being conscious, they'd be like, yeah, we want to we want uh, to have an audit, an independent audit, and we don't want to use the person you've hired. We're going to choose our own person to come and audit the books, because the thing is, can't do an audit 
uh, the government can't do it if they're tax exempt since they're tax exempt. So the, the people that go to church, they would have to call in their own independent audit. But since there's just this trusting thing, I'll just, I'll just give, I'll just give money. I'll just give money. I'll just give money. And I'll be blessed because God wants money for some reason. You know what I mean? So, their finances are public, no? Two people are talking. I couldn't hear you. I was going to say that just so you know, in Philadelphia, where I lived at most of my adult life, it is extremely common for a, we call them corner store pastors. So pastor with the storefront, a church with the storefront it is very common for the pastor to pull up in front of his or her church in a Mercedes Benz in the hood. It's, it's common. It's, very it's common, common like that yep. in the South too, by the way. Yep. It's common everywhere. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it is unfortunate, even as a pastor's son, which I am, that uh, one thing that I have to give credit to my dad is uh, he he uh, never took a salary for like 15 years until he was able to pay off. That's how he was able to pay off the building, that uh, the, the church building that we have right now. And he's never been – any money that he would spend is, is – from his own job that he has. And that's where I look to for uh, a model of integrity, someone that never stole money from the church. He always was very, a penny pincher in the good sense of like raising money, not through a building fund, but just raising the, from regular ties to be able to pay for the AC, pay for the sit-down system. It wasn't like there was always, uh, you know, this, churches and uh, trust me i'm a pastor's son so I, I know all the different styles of churches that they every time you go to a certain church they, they have a building fund or they have this that they're raising money for and and i definitely say i i get my um any integrity that you guys think i have i get it from him and don't get me wrong and yes i, I think there's five ones and i hear you because i don't don't get me wrong like i i look at i look i was raised um I was raised in church. My parents were PK kids, so everything that my every <laughs> the rumor of all the um, the stereotype about PK's kids from my parents were true because both of my parents were freaks. Oh well, my father still bless his heart. But um, I will say that growing up in the church that I did, and I grew up Pentecostal, so I grew up a whole different type of church. Um, I am actually. For the way I was brought up and grateful for uh, my spiritual background. It's the way I grew up, I'm not necessarily ashamed of it, although some of it was a waste of time. I didn't learn much. Um, but one thing I can at least say about the when it came to offerings, back to what Roger was saying, when I grew up, when you gave money to the church, the offering time was a fashion show. That's what it was. It was your time to go down, to the, down the aisle with whatever you had on and give you a loan of money. And you would put no one would see what you gave at all, but that has shifted to like you said, Roger, where you go to a church, they actually take up not an offering. First, they have tithes, which is totally separate from offering. Then they have an offering. Then after the preacher's done preaching, he'll say he or she she will say, God told me that there are ten people in in the church tonight that are supposed to give a thousand dollar seat offering, and to stand with me, right? They will. I remember I brought a friend to church with me one time, and he we got there late. He's like, oh, we just missed the offering. I 
said, nope, give it time. I said, he ain't done. They'll, they'll ask for money again. Sure enough, the preacher got done speaking, and she said that there were 30 people that can give $50. I said, told you, right there. And if you can't give 30, there are 10 people that can get 40. So now it is mostly about money. And it's, it's, and the way that Case would explain the church he grew up in, those churches are far few in between, where the pastor would just um, not ask for a salary or doesn't ask for any money and just act just does it because they are they are driven by the call of Christ to do ministry. Now it's all now it's just a money making scheme. This is the and the the weirdest thing about being a pastor is that there's no accountability. You got pastors out now that are doing OnlyFans and admitted to it and still was talking about I'm gonna start a church. Or or if they get kicked out of the church, they start a brand new church. So there's no more, there's no integrity, there's no accountability in the black church. You can do whatever you want to do, and the church will say, "Oh well, God knows your heart. God forgives you, and yep. you can still make money." Yeah. Yes. Well, they don't want to do Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm gonna get going, guys, because it is past my bedtime, and I have a busy day tomorrow and Saturday, so. Thank you guys so much for hanging Thank out. Thank you and good morning, everybody. Thank you, Noel. And see, I'm going to be wearing my savvy shirt this Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. RBA, baby. Awesome. Thanks so much, Case. Good night, guys. All right. Check your DM. I sent the Jackie and RFK. <laughs> Y'all.